So welcome into this Thursday edition of the show. I am your host, Dave McHugh, broadcasting to you live from the WBCA NABC studios in conjunction with D3Hoops.com. We are actually, believe it or not, about midway through the season. I was a little surprised when I started doing the math. If you look at it, it's about a 16 or so week season. And, well, we are at the close of eight weeks. Certainly, that doesn't mean we are there in terms of games. A lot of teams will still play a majority of their games after this point. But in terms of the regular season, we're about midway through. So we're at the midway point, as it were. And as we talked about on Sunday's show, as we get back out on the road with the top 25s on Monday, and as we talked a little bit uh, in the past, there's still a lot we don't know about this season. There's a lot we're still trying to figure out. Top 25s were interesting on Monday night. I don't think there was as much upheaval as I was expecting. I also don't know maybe what I was expecting. Maybe I was expecting more upheaval. Not really sure. It's a it's a challenging question, to say the least. Um, but I didn't feel like we had a huge amount of upheaval. Uh, and maybe it's because people are still trying to figure out, with that many losses... And everybody losing, essentially. What does that all mean? Uh, Emory fell from second to sixth in the in the top ten in, in men's side. St. John's leapfrogged from 11th to 7th. Randolph-Macon leapfrogged from 7th to 4th. Elmhurst leapfrogged from 16 to 11. Colby, etc. But only three new teams in the top 25. Albertus Magnus, WPI, and Springfield with Carthage, Hamilton, and Illinois Wesleyan dropping out. On the women's side, there was only two teams new, Texas-Dallas in the 25-hole, Austin in the 18-hole, Tufts. Oh, by the way, back to the men's bowl. Of course, Swarthmore took the entire, all, um, all, all, the, all the first place votes, which surprised me. I thought with their close results, there would be some voters who went, nah, uh, I'm not so gung-ho on Swarthmore. Apparently, I was wrong. I, I mean, I stayed with Swarthmore, but I, every time that's happened in the past, I've expected other voters to say otherwise. Uh, Tufts sitting in the uh, number one spot, picked up a bunch of first place votes, and they're at 20 now. Bowden has none and sitting in second, and Hope has five. Sitting in third, Amherst fell for, to fourth. Mary Harden Baylor fell 10 spots. That's about the biggest move, I think, of the entire um, um, ballot. Well, Messiah fell 12, actually. They fell from 12th to 24. And I think they'll be out now. We'll go through the results. So, I think we're still trying to figure things out, and it's shocking to say that we're halfway through the season. I think that's the most surprising part, to say the least, is that we're halfway through this thing. We're 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 not quite there in terms of games, but if you look at it, some teams have already played 12 or 13, 14 games for Hope Women, for example, uh, 14 games for Nebraska Wesleyan men, 14 games for North Central's men. Out of a 25-game regular season, I'm not talking about the postseason. Postseason certainly adds anywhere from one to three more games to that, and then you get the NCAA tournament. So we're right at that point, and it's because we start earlier in November as a result of that as well. So that's some of the of the reasoning behind that. We had a bunch of teams that were, were way behind in terms of, of numbers of games, but that has been made up in the last two weeks. Now everybody's pretty much on par. I don't think anybody's played less than than maybe 10 or 11 games. Uh, the, yeah, I'm scanning through just the top 25 and that's kind of where I'm at. Speaking of randomness, I was looking through some stuff. Buffalo state men's basketball is going to play 22 games this season before the conference tournament. <laughs> um, not sure how that happened. There was word that a holiday tournament 
fell through. Okay, so that would have been, what, 24 games? Still missing one. You're allowed 25. In some sports like soccer, even lacrosse, of course, baseball and softball due to weather, you will see um, teams not get their full allotment. In baseball, what is it, 40? Football, it, it hardly ever happens. Um, soccer, it's across the board. Lacrosse can be across the board. Basketball, we tend to see teams at 25, maybe 24. There's certainly conference restrictions on that. But not 22, and technically on purpose. I can't imagine a basketball tournament fell apart in the winter over the holiday break late enough that Buffalo State couldn't have found a couple more opponents. But what do I know? It also could have been a, an element of the coaches who said, forget it. It, it. This isn't worth trying to figure out. Again, if you want to interact with us, you can tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Lots of ways to chat. On the men's side of things, we already had some upsets this week. Randolph-Macon lost last night in non-conference play to Mary Washington about, what, an hour down the road, if that, 70-65. to 65. Mary Washington's fe- uh, feast or famine with them. I think they're a pretty good team, but... This might fall into the category of what we started to talk about, how a really good team can have an off night and a okay or average or good team can have a really good night and knock off a top 10, even a number one team in the country. I think that's what we saw here. Again, Mary Washington's good, but Randolph-Macon's better, but that was surprising. Babson lost to Springfield in a dandy of a game last night, 84-81. That's Babson's second loss of the season. They and Springfield are both 10-2 now. Amherst lost to Wesleyan, 79-77. The, the uh, Lord, oh, sorry, Mammoths are 7-3. That's still in my head. Mammoths are 7-3 now on this, or 9-3 on the season. I, I misspoke. That's a really good win for Wesleyan, obviously. Uh, Amherst, it doesn't get any easier. They got Middlebury coming up this weekend and Williams. I think that's, if memory serves, that is an actual conference weekend. Their game against Williams in the little three is not part of that, I believe. Guilford lost to Ferrum. That means back-to-back games. Guilford has played against Tom Palumbo's former players. We talked on Sunday with Tom Palumbo about Caleb Kimbrough in his first season at Hamden Sydney. Well, remember, Tyler Sanborn is a head coach at Ferrum. And in back-to-back games, they have gotten their, their, their coach. 68-65 this time for Ferrum. Not sure what it tells us about Guilford, though I think that opens the door now for voters for the others in the top 25 out of the ODAC. In the receiving votes category, Augustana lost to Dandy to number 11, Elmhurst. Elmhurst is certainly all that in a bag of chips at this point, 12-1 on the season. They got North Park ahead. Augustana has Milliken up ahead. Eau Claire lost to Stout, 80-79, uh, to, uh, to fall to 10-3. They've got Platteville ahead. The big note, I think, about Platteville is they came from behind to defeat Oshkosh, 74-70. Oshkosh... Seven and six on the season for the defending champs. They clearly have struggled to put this together, and I don't mean it that they're horrible. They are still a good team. They are capable of going on a run. There's no question about that. But they're seven and six now, and the only way the defending champs are going to get into this tournament next year or this season, I, I'm going to say this now, the only way I think that Oshkosh can get into the tournament is to win the AQ. Oshkosh has stout ahead for them. Loris, by the way, lost to Buena Vista, 92-88 in overtime. I think the story we're not talking about out of the American Rivers Conference is Buena Vista. Buena Vista is playing well, not receiving votes right now. 
And I think their only loss is to Nebraska Wesleyan off the top of my head. Loris has Wartburg ahead. So that's on the men's side. On the women's side, George Fox lost again to Pacific. So they've now lost to Willamette and Pacific in conference play. They're now 9-3. and three. It makes no sense to me. They've got Pacific Lutheran ahead this weekend. George Fox is a darn good women's basketball team. And their losses, I mean, they put 45 up against Willamette. They only put 47 up against Pacific, who beat them 61-47. I, I don't understand what has has gone wrong since I saw them in Vegas when they beat Scranton and University of New England, except that maybe they drank their own Kool-Aid too much, and I say that somewhat tongue-in-cheek. Augsburg lost to Bethel. Of course, Bethel ranked 23rd in the country, 74-70 in a great Mayak battle. And Messiah, as we mentioned, lost to Widener last night, 75-62. Widener was receiving votes. Widener had not had any significant wins on their resume. In fact, they had a significant loss to Amherst. But that is a good win. Messiah, maybe just not as good as everyone thinks they, they are this season, though they're 24. But they pick up their fourth loss already in season and in conference. That gets very interesting where Albright looks like to be the top conference, top of the conference in the MAC Commonwealth. Uh, in the receiving votes category, Williams lost its first game of the season to WPI. They'll have Hamilton and Amherst ahead, so it doesn't get much easier for Williams at all. Emory and Henry lost to Roanoke in women's basketball, 83-59. That's a surprising result. I think Roanoke's coming along, but I didn't expect to see them win by 14. I'm sorry, that's not even 14. That's 24. Um, Smith, uh, we just had their head coach on Sunday show. They went out and unfortunately lost to Springfield, 54-50 this week. Take their first loss of the season. And North Park lost to Illinois Wesley in 82-51. Uh, undefeated teams left. I think there's just five on the women's side. I could be wrong. I think it's Tufts, Bowden, Hope, and then uh, Bethel and Albright. And on the men's side, I think there's just three. And I again, cr correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's Swarthmore, Wittenberg, and Middlebury at the top of the schedule. And speaking of those undefeateds, one of them will be on this show tonight. We will talk to Wittenberg's men's basketball coach, Matt Croce. Talked to him earlier today, actually. You're going to hear a fascinating conversation with him in my opinion, uh, a rather insightful conversation with him. He will talk about uh, not only the team's, um, well, what's working for him is a better way of saying that. Uh, I, I have admitted I'm, I'm a little befuddled as to who they are as a team. So we'll talk to him about who they really are, what we might not be seeing in the box scores, and if there is pressure for Wittenberg to succeed, get back to a championship weekend, and win a national championship. They have not won one since the 70s. And they are the winningest program in Division Three history. So is there pressure? We'll talk to him about that coming up. But, hello, Wesley. Good evening. But, the craziest thing is, on, on that whole, well, with Wittenberg, I should say, is it might be the teams or the players we're not talking about that makes them so good. Or we're not seeing in the box scores, as I hinted at earlier, excuse me, uh, makes them so good. But you're going to have to wait on that interview because that is the last interview we'll have tonight. <laughs> See what I did there? We will start things off with Redlands women's basketball. They are 9-4 in what is a fascinating Skyac race this season. The men's side could get two teams in the tournament. I'm not sure about the women's. But it's not the usual group, as it were, on the on the women's side. 
that we are used to seeing. And obviously some coaching changes has made a big difference. But Redlands has lost three in a row at the end of November. They lost to Whitman, Southern Virginia, and Transylvania. Uh, they've only won, lost one since, and it was Amherst, and it was an eight-point game that game that at Chapman. They beat Cal Lou 71-54 their last time out. They got Pomona Pitzer and Clement Mud Scripps this week. If you look at the conference standings, Redlands is on top at undefeated with Pomona Pitzer and Chapman behind them, and then Whittier and then Laverne. So the, the Skyac is on its head. And we'll talk to their head coach, Rich Murphy, here coming up shortly from the West Coast. Also ahead, we will debut our WBCA Center Court segment for the first time this season. And we will talk about the tough topic of cancer, of course. That is always a tough topic. But we will talk to Randy Tuggle, the head coach at Greensboro, about not only his battle with pancreatic cancer, but why his team has been involved the entire way from from the very beginning and why the season has been a wonderful distraction. And, of course, everybody who has come to his aid or come to support him. So we'll talk to him coming up in the WBCA Center Court segment as well. Then we'll jump up into New York. We'll talk to Utica men's basketball. Sean Coffey seems to have turned the pioneers around. They may have been headed with their wagons in the wrong direction. Well, in the last three three seasons, they have definitely turned it around. They are 10-2 and on the year. They are coming off of a big win we talked about on Sunday against Hamilton. And they are in a fascinating Empire 8. And I mean fascinating in the sense that I don't know what to make of the Empire 8 or the rest of New York. So Sean Coffey will join us to talk about his Pioneer squad and what to make of Utica's quote-unquote start to the season. Certainly is a tremendous start, especially that win over Hamilton in what I would call a very non-defensive game, though that's I think there was some de- definite defense. Utica nearly blew that game, by the way. They had a significant lead. And gave up a 26-12 run to end the game, including, I think, a 15-2 run and an 11-0 run. I could be, I think that's right. There were four points in the middle of those two runs that broke that all up. So, or more than that, if you do the math. But we'll talk to Sean Coffey about all that coming up. And then we will get to Wittenberg. Uh, On Thursday shows, we talk primarily East Region, Mid-Atlantic, Great Lakes, and West with the WBCA Center Court. Right now, we are not going to talk to every single region or have a guest from every single region. It may work out some weeks. It may not. This week, we will be not skipping necessarily, but we will be um, um, not having a guest for the Mid-Atlantic region. But that's also because we've had a number of guests already this season. We've talked to Swarthmore men's basketball. Uh, Actually, I'm I'm mistaken there. I don't think we have. But we have talked to some other women's programs, Scranton women's basketball, for example. If you have questions about the Mid-Atlantic, I'm happy to answer those questions. I I certainly know the region pretty darn well. We'll talk about it. We won't ignore it. And then on Sundays, we primarily talk about the Northeast, uh, the Atlantic, the South, and the Central regions. Now, there's a region the South coach is on tonight, and that's because of the WBCA Center Court. And sometimes we have a South coach on Thursday nights because we're not going to be able to get a South coach on on a Sunday night due to travel. So there you go. All there in a bag of chips. If you've got any questions for us, like as I said, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com, or join us on Facebook at facebook.com. And by the way, if, if for some reason you discover that an email sent to us at hoopsville, doc, uh, uh, hoopsville at d3hoops.com is not working, let us know. I thought I tested it and it worked fine, but let us know. You can always use my uh, other account, dave.mcqueue at d3sports.com. That's dave.mcqueue at d3sports.com. We'll also keep an eye on scores around the country. I, I saw a couple interesting games this week. Um, 
on Saturday, I, I already talked about the Haverford McDaniel women's game. Well, McDaniel women's basketball is struggling to keep leads, but I at least got to see uh, them play against Ursinus on Tuesday, despite the weather in this mid-Atlantic region. And then last night, I was at Gallaudet versus Goucher at the Gopher Dome. And uh, I think it's been a while since I've seen Gallaudet in person. Good to see Coach Kovacs in person as well. That game ended up being a dandy. Both teams shot really well. I was really impressed. Um, number 10, Valencia for the Bison. Really good shooter. And I love how Gallaudet plays. I will tell you that every single time. They may not have a great record, but they are going to give a fight and they're going to play hard. And I always love watching Gallaudet play. It was fun to see that last night. Speaking of top-ranked teams, Swarthmore and Hopkins will be going at it tonight. This is that quirky Centennial Conference where the women are scheduled for three games because of their offset schedule with Bryn Mawr. The men, as a result, even though <laughs> this is where it gets wacky, even though they don't play three games, they play two. They play them on Thursday and Saturday with the women, but they're not necessarily doubleheaders. I'm telling you, folks, there's a better way to do it. I've told the Centennial Conference that, well, there's a couple different ways to do it, but nonetheless. So we'll keep an eye on Swarthmore at Muhlenberg. Remember, Muhlenberg had the hot start to the season this year. Ain't no to start things. They are one and two since. So we will ta uh, keep an eye on that game just to see what's going on. That is scheduled for an 8 o'clock start as the Swarthmore women are playing as well. We'll check in on that. Uh, Muhlenberg lost to Hopkins and Haverford and then came from behind to beat Sarah Lawrence in non-conference play and all those games since December 7th. They had December 7th against Hopkins, December 14th against Haverford, January 4th against Sarah Lawrence, and now the 9th against Swarthmore. Hopkins has taken on Dickinson that game at 8 o'clock as well. Muhlenberg... I should say Muhlenberg women are the ones hosting, and Hopkins women are also hosting. We'll check out scores on the women's side. Uh, top teams that are in action, Mary Harden-Baylor is taking on Bellhaven on the road. John, uh, Texas Dallas is on the road against East Texas Dallas, or East Texas Baptist. Actually, those games are underway. Uh, we just don't have a score on them. Swarthmore and Muhlenberg women are playing, and Muhlenberg women who have out to a, a rough starter have a 10-point lead in that one. Um... And we'll keep an eye on any other game that jumps out of us on the women's side. Quickly, you don't see anything that's huge, but that doesn't mean we're not missing something along the way. St. Joseph's of Connecticut. Women's seems out to an 18-1 lead on Pratt. Non-Division 3, of course. Pratt. So, yeah, there you go. There's your day, and of course, or night, and of course, ahead. We've got lots to talk to guest-wise. We will take a break. When we come back, we will talk women's basketball on the West Coast with Rich Murphy the head coach of the Redlands women's basketball team. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. More Hoops Hope when we come back. taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. 
College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. I'm a Division Three student athlete and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. Welcome back to Hoopsville. I'm Amy Sakaitis, head coach at Lebanon Valley College and a member of the Women's Basketball Coaches Association. We hope you enjoy the show, and now back to Dave. Welcome back to Hoopsville. There we go. Mike finally worked. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying tonight's show. It's Thursday, of course, January 9th, and I can't believe we're talking about being midway through the season, but that's what happens when the first part of the season starts a week earlier for most. Of course, not all, but for most. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We're on Instagram at D3Hoopsville as well, but listen, we can only monitor so many things, and I'm going to cut that one off in terms of monitoring for uh, in-show. All right, so we're, we, we told you before the break, Redlands women's basketball and the Skyac. I think the Skyac in general, on its head, 
Lost a couple coaches. Of course, it's dominant one at Claremont Mud Scripps. Went on to Pepperdine. Interesting enough, she's a graduate of Redlands. So I felt, well, it seems appropriate. Also found it interesting, we haven't talked to Redlands in a while. Now, granted, 11-15 last year, 14 and 12 campaigns along the way. But it isn't that long ago when this program was a 19-wins program, and it looks like they might be on the way to that now. So joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline, presented by Blue Frame Technology, on Skype, live from the West Coast, it is the head coach of the Redlands women's basketball team, Rich Murphy. Coach, first and foremost, thanks for taking the time to join us. Oh, my pleasure. Glad to be here. I appreciate it. Um, all right, so let, let's let's just talk about the Skyac first, because there was a lot of changes in the Skyac in the offseason. I think a lot of people have gotten used to the usual suspects at the top of the conference. And when I looked at the conference setup, I went, huh, a lot has actually changed this time around. Yeah, I mean, we have, what, three? Is it two or three new coaches at this time? I believe it's, I believe it's two in the Pomona program and the Claremont program. We have new coaches this year. And those are two programs last year that ended up first and second in the conference. So it's a little bit of a change for them going into this season. Yeah. How does that, <laughs> I'm sure you weren't upset when Kristen Dowling decided to depart for Pepperdine, who, who wouldn't uh, blame her going to Pepperdine, but I'm sure you were like, great, we got a chance. Well, the funny thing about uh, coach leaving like she did, um, she was a close, you know, she's a graduate from University of Redlands. Right. And when she was an assistant coach at Pepperdine, her and I had a great relationship. She would check on Redlands all the time, see how we were doing. Everything was great. And then when she got to Claremont, we weren't so close anymore. I don't know why, <laughs> but the relationship just wasn't as good anymore. But now that she's gone into Pepperdine, we've become really close again. And it's, <laughs> it's nice to be able to talk to her again. So it's kind of fun to see that relationship she, build again. So She feels safe calling you? Oh, yeah. We, 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 it's no problem now. So. <laughs> uh, of course it is. Um, you, again, you've been there now since the uh, summer of 2007, you've seen this program in it's, in it's highs and it's lows. I mean, we can go back to 2010 when you guys were 22 and six, 12 and two in the conference. But again, I, I talked about that 19 game run there back in 13 through 15. What, what's different between then and, and what you've been dealing with the last few years that just has had you for lack of a better word, kind of just in the middle of the conference. Yeah, it's it's been a struggle for us being in the middle of the conference. You know, we've we've ended up, I think, fourth, like five or six years in a row in the conference. And every time we end up fourth, we play the number one seed who in the last eight years in the conference tournament has been Claremont. So yeah. we haven't been able to get over that hump in the last eight years. So we're hoping that uh, with the turnaround that we have in our program this year, that uh, we'll hopefully get out of that fourth seed and try to end up a little bit higher. So we're doing the best we can. I've got a great uh, new assistant coach who's with me for her second year who's really helped me recruit some really quality kids and really good players. So I'm excited for that. And I, I mean, if you look at us, I don't know if you saw our roster, we only have one senior. Yes, I did. And, and we only have two juniors. So for us to do as well as we're doing right now, I'm pretty excited about it. We'll get to that in a minute because I did notice that and that's that kind of jumped out at me. But I want to talk about the schedule real quick because unlike some of your well, the women's side certainly been better than the men's side, but you know, some will just play whoever's close. You seem to have a point of view of saying we need to play good teams. We need to at least play Division Three opponents. You played Southwestern and St. Cats, Pacific Lutheran and Whitman, which is obviously on the West Coast, but Southern Virginia and Transylvania uh, are games that were played. And, of course, Lewis and Clark. And then you weren't afraid to say, yeah, Amherst is coming to town. We'll take them on too. What's been the mentality scheduling-wise? I don't know. Maybe – 
maybe I need to be smarter and not schedule so well so my record <laughs> looks better. But I've never been concerned about that, to be honest with you. I, I want to play the best. I want to see where we are every time we step into a game. And I think this is the third year in a row we played Amherst. Yeah, I think you're right. Chapman. Yeah. So where it, it, to me, it, I just want to see where my kids are placed, you know, and how well or how well we're doing. And to me, I just want to play competition. I don't I don't want to pad my stats. I don't really care about that. I want my kids to have great competition. So when we get into the conference and we've talked about playing these real good teams that we can compare and say, hey, we can beat anybody out there just like we competed with the teams that we have already. Makes total sense. Uh, I think you have played Amherst that many times because Amherst has gone to Vegas to our event and then gone on to California to fill in games where they can't get them anywhere. And you guys had a good game against them. 54-46 may have taken you out of what you want to do, but you at least played them tight. What did you take out of that game? We were down 22 at one point, so I didn't take a lot out of it at that time. But, uh, I was trying to what, skip over that part. Yeah, I know you were. But what I took out of it is is the fight that I have in these young ladies. They don't quit. You know, um, I've had teams the last four years, my program, you know, I've had I've had players who got accepted to losing and we're OK with it. And we've done a really good job the last couple of years to kind of take care of that and kind of clean house to make sure we want kids who want to be winners and want to play hard. And that's what I really took out of Hamhurst. You know, when I sit back and I watch the film and I look at things that we did, I know we can compete with them. And these young ladies know they can compete with them. You know, so for Redlands for the last couple of years hasn't been the best. But I've, I, I think we've kind of figured it out and turned the corner, which I'm really excited about. You mentioned cleaning house. You mentioned earlier one senior, two juniors. Is that where we can see the fact that it's a very young class or a very young team? Because you have gone out there and said, you know what, this isn't working. We need other kinds of players. We need players are going to fight. And this we need you to not come back. Basically, I mean, in D3, these kids, I mean, they come for a great academic, and I agree with that 100%. It's all about the academics. There's no doubt about that. But a lot of them come in thinking it's going to be a lot easier than they thought it would. You know, uh, it, it'd be an extracurricular activity sometimes. Sure. And when when you bring in all-conference players out of different conferences and everything like that, an all-conference kid comes in and looks and goes, wait a minute, I'm an all-conference player. How come I'm not playing? Well, so is she, and so is she, and so is she. And it's hard for them to accept that they're not the best. Mm -hmm. And it makes it a little difficult for some of them to accept that. And when that happens, they start to talk amongst each other and start to, you know, have separation between players and teammates. And, and it's just not healthy, you know, um, doesn't make my job easier. doesn't make my assistant's job easier. You know, we want kids who just want to work and want to enjoy the game and, and work hard at it and want to be successful. That's the kids we want to look for. To some degree, is that why role players end up being so successful, sometimes longer than people would give them credit for? Oh, yeah. I mean, if Kellis Dak is a perfect example of a kid who was a walk-on her freshman year, who came to me and said, I had already filled my recruiting class and asked if she could walk on. And I said, you can come walk on. I have no guarantee for you. This young lady has been a starter uh, for her sophomore and junior year and has been super productive for us because she wants to work and she wants to get better. And she's continued to do that. And sometimes when a role, when a freshman comes in and they want the glory right away and it doesn't happen for them, they go find something else to do. And if it's a kid who's going to take the time and effort and understand that their time will come, then they'll be rewarded for it. There's no doubt about it. Certainly an interesting point of view. Let's talk about this squad a little bit. Alyssa Downs leading the way. Sophomore played in every game, 14.8 points a game, pulling down uh, about three rebounds a game, handing out an assist and a half a game. 
Uh, you also have a senior in uh, Cassandra Lacey, nine and a half points a game. And then Angelina, uh, Angeline, <laughs> can't speak tonight. Angelina, thank you. Uh, uh, is it Roke? Roke. Roke, the freshman. He was third on the team at 7.2 points a game. Uh, Dak, who you mentioned, is one of three players, including Lee Urbano Sid Sidlund, who are at five points a game. But you got an interesting squad there. Uh, seems a little guard heavy. Are you small? I mean, I can look at sizes and not learn anything. We're, we're not small, but our offense is geared towards the guards mostly. Okay. Um, you know, we, we have a, a nice flowing motion that keeps the guards active. And our posts are involved, but our posts are mostly for dump offs and finishes and things like that. But they also have a really good game to them. You know, so uh, the whole team to me is we go towards our strengths and the teams find what our strengths are. The individuals find what their strengths are and we just go through it that way. So sometimes if you look, I don't know if you've noticed that we've had a different leading score most of the time throughout the year. A freshman will step up, a junior will step up or a sophomore. So that's what's made this season so much better. My bench is so much more productive than it has been the last couple of years. My bench is averaging close to 20 some odd points a game where in the past I'd hopefully get six points out of my bench. So this is where the change has really come for us this year. That's a big difference. Uh, it takes pressure off those starting five, too, as, as, you, as you know. You, it looks like you play about 9 to 11 consistently every game, um, 11 of them and 9 of the 13. Uh, You've got a couple others who have come off. So you, you certainly are willing to go to the bench every game for role players or, or situational moments and everything. That's going to be beneficial. And I realize we're talking about this season, but that's going to be beneficial down the road, too. Oh, yeah. It, the, the fact is, is they can play. You know, I've I've become a coach who realizes if you can produce for me, I'm going to play. you. <laughs> not, I'm not one of those who's going to just pick with seniors and juniors and just play them all the time. I'm going to play the most productive kids on there. And when I recruit them, I tell them all the time, I say, if you're going to play, you're going to play. You know, if and they ask, what does it take to play for me? Don't screw it up. You know, don't turn over the ball five times in a row. Don't not box out. Don't play Olay defense, things like mm -hmm. that, that if they're productive, they'll get their opportunities. And as long as they're doing what they're supposed to do while they're on the court, they're going to continue to get those opportunities. So definitely works out for us pretty well. Uh, talking to uh, the head coach, Rick, Mur or Rick, Rich Murphy of the uh, Redlands Bulldogs, uh, women's basketball team. Coach, let's talk about a little bit of what's ahead. You've got a young team. We're at that midway point, as we said. What do you, how do you get them ready for what is now the grind? Because You'll have Pomona Pitzer this weekend. Then you'll have Claremont Mud Scripps. Then Caltech. Then Chapman. Laver now everybody who knows you, even if you're new to some degree, in a young team, this is the grind part. How do you get these younger younger players kind of prepared for all of this? Well, you know, the one senior I have, Cassandra Lacey's, you know, has gone through the grind a lot. Yeah. And she is continually helping these young girls out and understand how important it is that a conference game matters. And you know, when you're not feeling like coming to practice or you're not feeling good, you got to show up and you got to practice and you got to be ready for conference because that's it's what it's all about, especially on the West Coast. Let's be honest. The only way we're getting to the national tournament is if we can get in our conference tournament. And 90 percent of the time we have to win that conference tournament to even get a bid. Right. You know, the Skyac has always been that way. Uh, even last year when Pomona won the, the conference tournament and Claremont was a 20 win team with only yeah. maybe three or four losses. Right. They didn't win at all. So we, we talk a lot about the importance of conference and these girls understand that all these games we played before is just to prepare us for these games. And we try to clean up the mistakes as best as possible. But having the leader that I have, she's been phenomenal, making sure these kids stay focused in when time comes for conference games. 
What are you expecting from this conference? As we mentioned going in, you're the leader at 4-0 right now. 3-1 and right behind you are Pomona, Pitzer, and Chapman. Uh, of course, Whittier, Laverne are sneaking behind you, and maybe it's too early to say the rest of this. But what are you expecting from this conference, and can you guys stay on top? I want to. You know. <laughs> I'd really like to, but it's we beat each other up every year. Right. You know? And that's just the way it is. We beat each other up. And I've, I've been doing this for a long time, and I've come to realize it's not about how great your team is. It's about matchups. It's about defending those that you can defend and things like that. There are hard matchups for us throughout the car that throughout the conference. That's going to be difficult for us. And there are some matchups that I feel that we can, that we can manage. So I don't, I, it's going to be a stretch run without a doubt. There is not, I don't think a team's going to run away with it. I really don't believe that. I really want it to be us, but I think these next two games coming up will really give me an indication if we can do this and we can run, run away with it or not. Was the coaching changes what's what what caused all this topsy turvy in the Skyac, or was it gonna happen anyway? Well, the Pomona coach left for Tufts. That was pretty smart of her, right? Very smart. So <laughs> that's working out pretty good. It's working out great. Uh, uh, and Kristen going where she headed. It's, you know, that, I, I know that's pretty always good been too. To, to go to Pepperdine. Yeah. So um, I don't know. I don't know if it was heading this way or not. I mean, Jill really turned Pomona around. And Pomona's doing – it's hard for Pomona because they've got a really young coach with not a lot of experience. So yeah, yeah. if those kids stick with her and, and do the job they're supposed to do, I think I, they've got a good chance of running this thing too. So um, did I see it coming? I don't know. I just wanted to make sure we weren't fourth anymore. I was getting tired of that. I don't blame you. Saw her yeah. out uh, – saw the Pomona coach out in Las Vegas uh, at the D3Hoops.com Classic. I, I, I always check the, ca- the, the uh, map because I'm – always double checking where everything is in the LA region. And yeah. it, it dawned on me. I forgot you guys are directly East of Malibu. Oh yeah. A, a couple hours, but yeah. still directly East. It's it's the, she's got a better view though. Unfortunately, I love your view, but she's got a heck of a view at Pepperdine. Hey, I've been there. I've been on that campus. I get it. <laughs> yeah, I do. Same here. <laughs> um, all right. So I had, you've got, uh, Pomona Pitzer and Claremont Mud Scripps. We talked a little bit about what the grind's going to be. You talked about the senior leadership. What are you telling though the team in the locker room? What are you telling them before games to get them focused on these games ahead? I just every time we walk in, I say five and zero, oh, you know, and that's all I really have to say. If we want to win this conference, you know, I talked about my senior. These this team has rallied around her because she's never won anything mm. through high school through a whatever she's done she's never won anything and this team has really rallied around her and have, have really gone strong for the fact they want to win one for her before she's done with basketball you know because this is going to be it for her and and right. and what a great player she's been for me i mean she's i think she's maybe 65 points away from a thousand hmm. career which is i think is only nine that have done that ever at redlands that's cool so, these young ladies just want to win for her they just want to win for her and i'm loving every minute of it well, Coach, I really appreciate the time, especially on a busy uh, midday for you or late in the day for you. I know you're missing a little bit of a practice to get us in, so I appreciate the time. Good luck against Pitzer and, and Claremont coming up. As always on this show, we give the go- uh, the guest the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? Don't forget about the Skyac out there, all right? We got some ballers. Don't forget about the Skyac. Let's go. Fair. We won't, I promise. <laughs> Thanks for the time, Coach. Really appreciate it. Good luck. We'll look forward to talking to you down the road. Thank you. Absolutely. Rich Murphy joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Skype hotline. Appreciate him taking the time. Again, Pitzer and, and Claremont on the road coming up. Then they're home for three. Caltech, Chapman, and Laverne. 
We'll keep an eye on the Bulldogs and the men's side of the Skyak race, which is really going to be interesting this year as well. We'll keep an eye on all of that coming up uh, this season. When we come back, we'll keep it with the women's side. We'll debut the WBCA uh, center court segment with Randy Tuggle on the other side of the coast. We go all the way to the United, uh, to the uh, North Carolina, to Greensboro, to talk to the pride and his battle with pancreatic cancer and how his team's been behind him every step of the way. Listen to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. More Hoopsville when we come back. Being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference. Division three has helped me to develop teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills. It's not just about basketball or it's not just about school. It's about developing yourself as a person altogether. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. For the love of the game, that's what it's all about, they say. But for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that. It's more about team and the schools and communities we represent. And for the many of us blessed with the strength to compete in sport at the college level, we understand that with what we were given comes a special obligation. An obligation to help those who have their own special needs and whose love for the game is no less intense. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. Since August of 2011, we and others from Division III campus communities have volunteered more than a quarter million hours, time away from the classroom and practice field, reaching across the country to coach and mentor Special Olympics athletes. And to learn that in giving, we receive so much more in return. Help us keep that dream alive. Be part of it. Get involved. You can make a difference. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual, sexual assault. assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. I used to never really talk, ever. I was scared and shy. It was hard to look at people's faces. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. 
to Hoopsville. I'm Julie Folks, head coach at Transylvania University and a member of the Women's Basketball Coach Association. We hope you enjoy the show. Now back to Dave with the WBCA Center Court. Well, thanks, Coach. Appreciate the kind words. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville, at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. And welcome back to Hoopsville on this Thursday evening. If you are a fan of this show and have watched this show enough, you know that we have had some specialty segments throughout the years, uh, whether it's the NABC Coaches Corner or it's on the WBCA side, the center court segment. NABC segment has changed a little bit this year. We can certainly talk about that down the road, but the WBCA segment has not. We continue to go and find interesting stories or unique stories out there in Division Three basketball uh, that we want to talk about on the WBCA side and coaches who are either giving back to their community or their community is giving back to them, and we want to raise that awareness. Tonight is no exception to that uh, last part, especially the Greensboro women's basketball team has uh, had another point of view, as it were, for a long time, at least for the last year. Randy Tuggle, diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, but he's still coaching, like we know a lot of coaches like to do, to keep their minds on something else. So joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline for the WBCA Center Court segment, it is our friend in Greensboro, Randy Tuggle. Coach, thanks for taking the time to join us. Appreciate it. Oh, well, thank you for inviting me. Uh, anytime, I think, is the best way to describe that. <laughs> anytime. Um, we'll talk about 7-3 and three overall. We'll talk about being 4-0 in conference play, and we'll get to that in a bit. But let's talk about you. Uh, first and foremost, when did, was this pancreatic cancer diagnosed? And, and tell me a little bit about um, those first few days or weeks or whatever you want to give us an insight on. Well, if I, if you hear me not talking for a little while, I might uh, choke up a little bit. So, just letting you know that. Understandable. So I, I'm not hanging. I'm not going to hang up with the phone. <laughs> uh, well, I um, I got diagnosed in um, February of this past year. So this February would be one year knowing about it. And what it was was um, I was having a lot of pain in my stomach and, and and everything couldn't it would come and then go away and so I went to our student health center to see what the the deal was and uh, the person that runs the student health center happens to be my da- daughter uh, Lauren and um, her and the PA there started uh, trying to help me out um, they thought it was uh, might be just tension because of uh, well, I'm coaching basketball, <laughs> sure. and, and but the other thing was my dad had passed away that December, and uh, so they started putting some stuff on me, trying to get me to do this, get me to do that, and then one night it got so bad that my wife Susan um, called my daughter and said, "This is something happening. You need to," get, and she told us we need to go to the hospital. Hmm. So when they got in there, they saw that there was uh, a lot of sludge around in the area, and I had to go put a stent in. And while they were trying to put the stent in, they did notice that uh, there on my pancreas was a, a tumor, and um, that's how it got started. <laughs> well, and and we should point out your your team, or some of your team, was with mm-hmm. you when you got the diagnosis. That that seems like an awfully um, personal thing to be sharing when you don't know what you're going to be getting? Well, I mean, if you coach and uh, 
and you really do a good job coaching as far as, you know, getting everybody involved. I mean, they're part of a family. Um, You know, some of the best times I've had is when I have former players call up and say, hey, coach, what you doing for lunch? I said, I don't know, but you're paying. And and we go out and get something to eat, you know. So uh, it's it's, – we've built – the reputation of um, it, it's a family affair, so to speak. Uh, my um, my cousin, I don't know if you remember Jason. Yes. You know Jay. Jay started the program. Right. I mean, he didn't start the program. No, but I know he, what you meant. <laughs> he, yeah, he he came in and um, he called me up and said, "Hey, man, I'm going to apply for the Greensboro job. Will you will you help me out?" I said, "Yeah, man, I'd love to help you out." Of course, it wasn't a full time job. But right. We Surprise. worked it out. And uh, and to this day, Jason comes comes to some of the practice. He comes to some of the games. We talk, um, and he you know he's got connections with the the kids that were there when I was assistant coach, and uh, they all know about what's going on, and they keep up with it. And it uh, it's been amazing. I, I don't think anybody would want cancer, okay? No, but sure. it has been a it has been a it has been a very, I don't want to say good experience, but it has been just an eye-opening experience of what has happened because I've, I've uh, talked to buddies when I was in college that um, we played basketball together at UNCG, and uh, you know they're keeping up with me. Um, next thing I know, my one of my friends going going to high school's son decided he's going to have a golf tournament. Hmm. to honor me and raise money. And when we got to the golf course, it was raining like crazy. <laughs> of course it was. All, 30, all 34 teams still came. Wow. Yeah, the, the, the course said it was the largest tournament they had ever had. We got out on the first hole. There's water standing on the greens. You can't putt. You have Lovely. to chip it. <laughs> Lovely. But people still came to it, man. I sure. mean, it was just... You know, I mean, it was buddies that I'd played golf with from a church that I went to 20 years ago, and uh, college buddies, high school buddies. I mean, it's it it's like I said, you always wonder how close people are or what they really think of you, and it has been just unbelievable. I'm telling you, it's unbelievable. People say, "Well, don't give up." I said, "I can't. If I give up, I got too many people that are going to kick my butt." You know, so um, that has been, you know, it's just like I said, it, it, I I don't want the cancer. <laughs> and I hope one day we'll be getting rid of it. But it has been just an unbelievable experience of the people that have just, you know, you think you got. I thought my family was tight. We're tighter than we've ever been. I thought I had some really good friends. Oh, man, I got a <laughs> ton of really good friends. So. It's amazing. It's amazing, and uh, we're still battling, man. <laughs> yeah, I want to. Uh, I, I want to actually. I was going to share a few pictures uh, that we've got from um, from some of the things that have gotten together, but I want to give it a second because I want to make sure I got them all first. Um, obviously, pancreatic cancer is a scary one. That's one what everybody's got scared of. You, however, have decided to take this one kind of full on. You you haven't, from what I've been told, from a trusty SID named Wesley. You have not missed yeah. a day of work. You have not missed a no. game. You have not missed a practice. You have pushed through. That can be. Listen, I've been around enough coaches who who have had to battle cancer. That's just battling an illness and trying to do all of that is tough enough. Cancer, pancreatic, no. especially. I can't imagine. I assume it's been a welcome distraction though for you. 
Yes, it has. I mean, it, it, um, uh, I, um, when I went to the doctors and the oncologist started talking to me and told me what I was doing, he said, you're lucky in pretty good shape. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's do this kind of chemo. And, um, you know, and I, and he told me, you know, when you get in ready to go in there to the chemo area, don't listen to what people are saying. Just think about yourself because their treatment's going to be different than your treatment. And mm-hmm. I just went in and sat in and sat there and waited for the chemo to be done. And then, uh, afterwards I'd, I'd go to work, um, uh, because that's what I do, you know, and to be honest with you, coaching was, uh, a dream of mine that, uh, I went to college with the idea of becoming a teacher slash coach. I didn't do very good in calculus three. So I changed my, <laughs> changed my path and got in the banking industry. And then when Jay, Jason got uh, uh, out of college. He got a job at a local high school, and he was talking to his dad one day and said, hey, man, I wish I could find somebody to help me out. He said, why don't you ask your cousin? He said, cousin? He said, yeah, Randy. He said, Randy, who? (laughs) That's a little odd. (laughs) That's a 15-year age difference between us. And so he asked me, and I helped him out for a couple of years at high school. Then he went to UNCG for three years, and then that's when he got to Greensboro. And I'm telling you, man, I, I miss the guy as far as being on the court with me and uh, and uh, wish we could still be coaching together. But it's just one of those that, um, you know, I, 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 I love what I do. And like you say, sometimes it's a distraction because I can just uh, focus on something other than what I got, because it's easy to, you know, get caught up in it. You know, it's like when I go to church and we've got some great singers and all of a sudden they start singing. Next thing I know, I'm just bawling. And, uh, well, here it goes. (laughs) Oh, coach. Uh, No, I I get it. And I'm not even a cancer survivor, but, and I'm not going to even try and compare my ailments, but when I finally had enough, and I just said mm-hmm. something to the public and just, just to friends of mine said, you know, I went on mm-hmm. Facebook. I said, I've had enough. I haven't been saying mm-hmm. this because it's a battle. It's killing me. I just want to mm-hmm. get it out there. But there's people I know battling cancer. So the really folks, this isn't much deal. I just got to get off my chest. The, the right. swarm of love from friends who said, yeah. hey, no, tell us. It's yeah. incredible. And it's got to be yeah. for you through the moon. You still there? Yeah, I'm still there. Yeah, I, okay. it, for you, it's got to yeah, be I, it's got to be even stronger because I mean, we got a Christmas yeah. picture uh, on right now. There's what fifty people there supporting yep. you. Yeah, I gave a speech at the college uh, because it was pan- pancreatic cancer awareness day and uh, had an unbelievable out- outpour of people, um, and uh, it. Uh, it was amazing, you know, people coming up to me, people that, you know, talk about praying for me all the time. And um, I have, like I said, it, once again, it's hard to understand, but I've been blessed. Um, the good thing about it is, you know, I, I, I trust God and I know he's with me. And um, I know i got a ton of people with me and we're going to battle, you know, we're going to battle this until... So there's no battling to it, sure. and um, so that's 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 where we are, man. If you don't mind me asking, what's the prognosis, and and what is everybody telling you? Well, uh, the bad thing is uh, when I went through the first two 
chemo rounds of chemo. Um, I was hoping to, they were, the plan was to try to get me, they got this thing for the, the pancreatic cancer called the Whipple mm-hmm. effect surgery. Mm-hmm. And, um, thought everything was going good. All the numbers were coming back great as far as the cancer markers and everything. And, uh, anyway, I was going to have the surgery at Duke and, um, Went over there and had to go through all these MRI and scans and stuff. And the surgeon came back and said, um, it spread a little bit, and it's now also on your liver. And uh, so we can't do this. And uh, so that was a, kind of a smack in the face. Sure. And um, so, but I am starting back. With chemo uh, on the 21st of this month, I'm hoping to potentially get involved in some uh, clinical trials. Um, and you know, because the, the chemo I did, like I said, the cancer markers at one time got down so low that the doctor told me that you know, if you came in and we did the blood test and saw that, you would think it's you don't even have cancer. <laughs> Huh. But now, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, that's got so, me puzzled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but uh, like I said, I feel good. Um, I, uh, like you said, I haven't missed any practices this year. We're no. uh, off to a pretty good start, and um, uh, I know the kids are pulling for me. Um, and um, so, we're going to battle, man. Well, let's talk about the team quickly, and we'll come back to this because I am curious about some of the stuff ahead and, and whatnot. Uh, not necessarily for for the battle, but for uh, the support. But let's talk about you guys. We should point out you guys finished nineteen and seven last season, despite getting uh, that diagnosis <laughs> in, in February. Uh, I know the last yeah. two you would love to have gotten back, and you missed the tournament. But it was a tough USA right. South battle. Um, you're seven and three this season. Your losses to Virginia Lynchburg, who aren't even are not a Division three team, a Southern Virginia team that I think people don't really talk about, and an Emory and Henry team that certainly has made um, yeah. has made hay in the South region, to say the least. Right. Um, and, and obviously we're now into conference play. You got Pfeiffer ahead of you, Mary Baldwin this weekend. You got North Carolina Wesleyan still ahead as well in an ever growing right. USA South, I may add. Um, <laughs> how's the season from your vantage point, including? What's interesting for you guys, in my opinion, three games out of the bat that are against non-Division three opponents. Yeah. Well, it um, it, it was um, like I said, we we we're doing pretty well. I think so. I mean, I think we're still learning. You know, at, at Greensboro, one of the things that happens every year, we bring in probably somewhere between five and eight or nine kids that can help us. Sure. And then we got to start all over again <laughs> as far as putting plays in, even though we got, and just like uh, the coach that you were talking to earlier, I got one, I got one senior. Yeah. And the rest of them are juniors and sophomores and freshmen. And um, we're not very big, but we're very deep. Um, we got, I don't have anybody that I can give the ball to to get me 25 points every night, but I've got about five or six can get me 25 points. Sure. If it's their night. Uh, we put a lot of pressure on people. We try to speed the game up quite a bit, and um, it has been good for us so far. So that's the plan. Uh, we'll find out this weekend because uh, 
uh, with dealing with Pfeiffer and Mary Baldwin. Mary Baldwin was picked to be first in our conference. The problem was he wanted his leading scorer, first team all conference kid, tore oh. um, the Achilles. Oh, even worse. Yeah, yeah. And so that hurt real bad for him, I know. Um, uh, so it's, it, you know, like I said, I think, um, I think we, we can compete. It's just the thing about it is, like I said, I got somebody, I got a number of kids that could probably score 25, but then I got another number of kids that probably can't get, <laughs> can't get to 25. Sure. So it's, it, it, the good thing is they play hard defensively. We press and do a lot of stuff. So we don't really have to have a great night shooting to be able to be competitive. So that's good. It's interesting. You, you've beaten out your cousin as the winningest coach in program history. You're at 190 <laughs> wins now. Um, yeah. You're knocking on the door of, of, and you could get there this year, of 200. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kate Lewis is leading the way, I should point out, by the way, at 14.6 points a game, and Ashley Free at 13 mm-hmm. points a game. Uh, Dija Hickson at 8 points mm-hmm. a game. But uh, I, you've had a heck of a career, Coach. Um, is, and I'm, and I'm going to say it now. It's not any, ending anytime soon, just for the record. Right. Um, go. <laughs> you've got you know all Americans and all conference selections. You've had uh, great tournament runs and all of that. Can this team mm-hmm. replicate any of that? Can should we be seeing you know the Tuggled squad in the NCAA tournament this season? Well, I think there's a possibility. I mean, I I I, I would say that we have a chance. The only problem we have is like you say our conference has expanded so unbelievable yes and we've got a number of teams in the conference that we have to play yeah but our strength of schedule is terrible it kills you. you know the yeah. first year the, yeah, the first year we expanded we brought in maryville piedmont lagrange and huntington and then that that year we had two at-large bids and then the conference tournament winner we won't get another at large bid. You know, we it's got to be a conference tournament yeah. win, and that make, that puts a lot of pressure on people. You might have a great year, um, but the conference tournament is going to do it, whether or not you you make it to the NCAA. Are you worried to some extent? You have three non-conference games that are in against Division three opponents. You have five that are against basically won't really matter unless other opponent mm-hmm. other schools have played those five. Is that right. also another factor here? You know, you got to go out there and just win this conference because you're not going to have much of an at-large resume. No, I, I think uh, it, it does have some effect. The problem, as I said earlier, is kind of uh, we need to get started. Uh, and play somebody besides ourselves at the beginning, and I don't do it usually. Usually, we're pretty lucky to get some um, uh, Division One schools that will pay us some money, but sure. it still doesn't really give us a good look at what we really are. And that's why I, I do play some teams that don't really help our schedule. But it's just to be able to kind of find out what our problems are and what the what we need to change and things of that nature. So. And like I said, it, it, right now, it wouldn't matter if I played Emory and Henry all ten times. <laughs> you know, it's it's because yeah. we're we don't have the the strength inside the conference that's going to help me out. I might have a yeah. decent outside help, but inside, it's not going to help me. Sure. Um, I, there's going to be some who are listening who are going to chuckle at this next question: Is the USA South too big, and maybe it's time for a change? <laughs> 
I don't know. I might get fired if I say what I want to say. <laughs> <laughs> I don't uh, think I've yes, heard sir. that line yes. before. <laughs> yes, sir. We are too big. Sure. Yeah. Right. I mean, we. Bottom line is, we we we're the USA South East, USA Southwest. Yeah. We don't even play one side of the group until we get to the conference tournament. Yeah, because you're, you're so big, right? Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's ridiculous, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, I, uh, we're, guess what? We're bringing in somebody else. Yeah, right. It feels like every year we have another announcement. Southern Virginia. Yep, you're bringing in <laughs> another one. I know. Yeah. yeah. I know. Now, that's a good school. I mean, we played Oh, absolutely. Them, you played them earlier this yeah. year. Yeah, and uh, the score didn't look good, but it was because <laughs> somehow we got – we, I guess the team decided to go in after the third quarter, and uh, I don't know who was out there for me. So. <laughs> oh, that's the line of the night. I love it. Uh, yeah. I've heard of not coming out of the second half, but not in the middle of, in between quarters. Uh, yeah, coach, I a mean, yeah. uh, couple of comments that were made before I get to my next couple of questions that were made already. Um, Jennifer says, you got this, Coach. We're behind you. I, I think you might know this name, Lauren um, Tuggle, uh, Children. <laughs> So, and if you don't mind, Coach, and I hope Lauren doesn't mind, I'm going to share this. It says, when things go, uh, didn't go the way he wanted one time with his diagnosis, and I was struggling with it, Dad said to me, Lauren, when you lose to a team, do you give up or do you make another plan and go at them again? I said, you go at them again, Dad. And he said, yes, exactly. That, uh, that is exactly what we're going to do. Uh, by the way, Lauren right. also says, love Coach Tuggle. And of course, Wes says, <laughs> we got you as well. I mean, that speaks a lot, Coach, um, to your attitude about this. Go find another yeah. uh, battle and let's go at it. And uh, that yeah. battle is going to include some support from you in the in the near future, is it not? I hear there's some some events or fundraisers or whatever are going to continue to try and make your your life a little bit better and help you battle this. <laughs> well, I, I you know be honest with you, that's one of the things that once again, as I said, it's been unbelievable because I don't know. <laughs> I didn't know anything about the golf well, tournament. And so, I meant I don't I don't mean specific events. I, I I've yeah. seen events kind of tongue in cheek. I mean more along the lines of there's people who are coming to support you. They're coming to games. Oh, yeah. They're they're showing up whether they're at church or your home or whatever. There's right. there's this constant support to get yeah. you through this and get you to the next step is what I'm trying to get. I didn't mean like another yeah. golf event. That's that was unique in itself to say the least. And there may be, but <laughs> yeah. I don't want to allude to that. Yeah. No, it's like we got up one Saturday morning and because we heard noises outside and <laughs> went outside uh, and there were like 10 families with blowers out there blowing the leaves out of our yard. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, even brought us breakfast. <laughs> See, there you go. <laughs> on, to on top of, you know, doing the yard and everything. So it was, uh, it yeah, I mean, it's... It, I don't, every time I turn around, I'll get a text or I'll get something or somebody will come by. Anything I can do for you, coach, anything, you just let, let me know. I, I'm there for you, you know, and I don't worry about that. You know, I honestly and truly don't. I don't worry about anything like that because I know we got so much support that um, I don't have to worry about it. All I got to do is fight. Sure. So, no, and that and that that's half of it. If you can focus on just what you need to focus on, coach, I'd love yeah. to talk to you forever about uh, you, the program, how things are going. We should mention, by the way, Katie got her thousandth point, thirteenth in program history. Yeah, I know you're no, proud yeah. of her about that. 
Um, I know we'll talk to you down the road as as things continue, and you and not only about the fight, but the te- the fight your team's going to have as well. Uh, but I appreciate yep. the time. I got to let you go. Um, thanks, okay. thanks for coming on. Uh, good luck the rest of the way, not only with the season, but with the battle. But as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? Uh, well, what I want to say is thank thanks to everybody that has been uh, that had my back, and everybody that has been such a support and and making something miserable to be pretty good. So thanks. Well, hey, congratulations on the support. That is for sure. And congratulations on the season. Good luck in the fight. Thanks for taking the time to join us. Have a great rest of your new year, and we'll look forward to talking to you in the near future. All right, buddy. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Randy Tuggle Mm -hmm. joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, part of the WBCA Center Court. Emotional segment, but, God, awesome. I I love, and this is about Chris Wensler at – at uh, John Carroll as well. The support behind these individuals who are going through these fights is sometimes what I want to hear about the most. I want to thank the WBCA for uh, supplying us with that segment idea. I want to thank Wesley Gullett at uh, Greensboro for suggesting that idea as well. Great chatting with Randy. We would have chatted with Randy anyway this season. It's better to chat with him when it means something even more to him and to everybody else. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll jump into some men's basketball after I clear out my eyes from the emotions of that one. And there's certainly one I'll remember. We'll talk to Utica men's basketball coach Sean Coffey and still ahead number two team in the country on the men's side. Wittenberg Tigers joins us as well, Matt Croce. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. Thanks to our partners at the WBCA. Back with more after this. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game-winning shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no-look pass, and cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success and prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I say something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. 
but then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Division three allows you to give yourself to other things. Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. Division three athletics affords students the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. How it wouldn't change it for the world. I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly, it's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go into personal trainer and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory... Uh, dump out of the commercial. I, uh, welcome back to Oops, I'm your host, Dave McHugh. 
broadcasting you on this Thursday evening. Running a little bit behind schedule, so we'll keep some things moving here. Uh, some tech glitches on my end. Apparently, I can't read a simple email sometimes. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Lots of ways that you can interact with us. We hope you'll take full advantage of those when you get the opportunity. If you got questions, uh, we always love the questions, and we certainly welcome the uh, the uh, the support as well. So, um, East Region. To say that I always have questions about the East Region would be kind, because I always get confused by the East Region. Uh, the UAA certainly in Rochester has dominated it, and NYU's in there as well. We've always have Empire Eight and Liberty League teams and SUNYAC teams, and. But trying to understand who's the best of the best is sometimes hard. Well, it doesn't help when a team that you're not really on your radar or you've purposely said, listen, I'm going to wait, goes and knocks off a NESCAC team and a top 25 team, and you watched it. Um, admittedly, and we'll talk about this, it almost didn't happen. But Utica seems to have righted the ship, as it were. I know Utica well. I know the region well. It's a tough blue-collar area of upstate New York and what they did against Hamilton and what they seem to be doing this season seems a bit blue collar as well. Joining us on the blue frame technology Hoopsville Skype hotline, which I love is Sean coffee, the head coach, believe in his third year at Utica coach first and foremost, thanks for taking the time to join us. Uh, second of all, um, congratulations on the win against Hamilton is blue collar, a fair way of assessing what you guys are doing. Yeah, I'd say so. Um, definitely, uh, it, it definitely characterizes the, the area here. Um, yeah. We have tough kids, um, but we're getting them from all over the place, too. So um, they're making the Mog Valley, Utica, the city of Utica, their home. So um, we're really proud of, of our kids. And, um, and yeah, we, we get after it pretty good. Utica, one of the w rare places you might not actually see a Wegmans, by the way. Uh, big story. <laughs> it was almost that. a deal breaker for my wife, by the way. Was it? Yeah. Uh, we got used to Wegmans a little bit. and uh, <laughs> It's easy and to it do. Just short of us here in the, in the yeah. east side of Syracuse, and then it, it continues again back in Pennsylvania. Yeah. So I, well, a deal breaker. Come on down to my neck of the woods. I got one a mile away from the house. <laughs> by driving half a mile by fly. Yeah, love the place. Uh, absolutely agree with you. And I know the reason why Wegmans isn't there. It's a wonderful tribute uh, to the the man behind uh, how they got started at Wegmans. Yeah. But back to the real topic at hand, you guys. Um, I know that when you came in, there was a lot of rebuilding to do. This was a program that had struggled for some time. Uh, I think there was a lot of hopes that that Utica could, could be this this team that that could come out from the fire, as it were, or or battle it out in the Empire Eight. But we had nine and 16 seasons. We had eight and 17 seasons. We had a seven and 18 season. What was the message to you, per se, when you took over the program? And, and, and how soon did you think you could get it back into the conversation? Uh, I mean, you know, having been in the Empire 8, this is my ninth year now. Um, I was five years in as, as an assistant at St. John Fisher prior right. to getting this job. So, Felt I knew Utica pretty well, um, and I was—I'll be honest—I always thought of it as a kind of a sleeping giant. I've said this story uh, to many people, and when it opened, um, it was really an intriguing job, and I think it was one just because of the history, the more recent history. And this is, you know, at the risk of uh, you know throwing others under the bus, but um, you know, it just wasn't great you know and just to be as, as nice as i can about it and um but there's tremendous support here 
Dave Fontaine, our athletic director, really um, took a chance by hiring someone that really had no Utica area ties, uh, no ties to the college itself. And there was a lot of um, alums that were really involved in the process. Um, so I, I you know, thank him wholeheartedly for giving me this chance at my first head coaching position. And my mother still uh, bows to his statue at home, you know, to this day because she, she he gave me my first chance, you know, at a head job. So, um, and then, you know, and Dr. Jeff Gates, along with him, you know, our VP of enrollment, um, they just have put this college in a trajectory from a financial standpoint, from an academic standpoint, that it was a really attractive job and, and the facilities are just, have been great and, and improved dramatically and, and uh, got some of the most unique ones in the country. Um, but um, yeah, it was a, it was a struggle. Um, and as far as how fast I thought we could get this going, um, I, you know, I'll be honest, I thought we could get going pretty quickly just because of the wealth of kids that we can get involved with in, in, as far as recruiting. Uh, Dave Wattis was my first assistant here, along with my father, who's a volunteer assistant, which is a pretty cool situation. But, um, I mean, we got after it pretty good. And, and I think that's the only way we really knew how to approach this was just hard work, and kind of getting back to that blue collar uh, feel, as, as you kind of mentioned. So um, we got involved in a lot of different places recruiting wise. We're in a very good central location as far as the state. We can get into New England a little bit. Uh, definitely huge parts of Jersey, New York City and the surrounding counties. And um, and, and there was a lot of trial and error as well. You know, what type of kid was really going to fit our program, fit the, the institution? academically, uh, socially. And, uh, you know, we had some all, you know, flat on their face. We fell flat on our face, to be honest with a couple, uh, but we kept after it. And we, I think we've got the right guys here to represent the college and, uh, and they're doing great things and, uh, they're just great bunch of kids. You're in your fourth season. Of course, that means, uh, the, let's see, that means what 10 and 16, I think was your first campaign. If, yes. if memory serves, um, 10 and 16 to 17, uh, and 10 the following year. I mean, that's in itself a tremendous turnaround. And then last year, uh, you guys were 12 and 12. I know it's always a step back sometimes to take two steps forward. You're 10 and two right now. You've already hit that number from last season, and we're at the halfway point. Your two losses, Rutgers, Newark, I guarantee you want that one back, and a really good Rochester team. You guys have beaten everybody else, including, as we mentioned, Hamilton. Is this above expectations or at expectations? You know, we had some really tough injuries to start this year. We had our only all-conference returner tears ACL in practice before our first game. So that kind of threw us in a little tailspin as far as how we were going to approach the year. Um, and, you know, we, yeah, we tripped up a little bit in that first weekend, but that's what those tip-off tournaments are about. And sure. playing Rutgers-Newark, um, you know, after Westfield State, you know, they picked the playoffs first in their own tournament, and uh, we played really well. But we were still ironing out some different things as far as positionally, our rotation, um, and we've had a couple freshmen that have just been unbelievable, and they are blowing my expectations away. I thought we had the the older players that are they're all mine at this point, um, right. you know, in our fourth year now. Um, and I'll go back to that first season you mentioned. You know, yeah, we were 10 and 16, but we were 0 and 10 to start that year. So the, the building began through that year, and we got the three seed out of a 10 and 16 uh, uh, season 
after being 0-10. I believe we're 51-29 and since. So, um, and we're playing some good teams. And, yeah, and those those Rochester teams are always tough. And the, to play a Hamilton and play as well as we did, um, it was exciting. But, yeah, I mean, I would say we we're kind of where we wanted to be. But there was a couple of hiccups with injuries for sure. Uh, but guys have just filled in. And they are the ones that are kind of uh, – they're ahead of schedule as far as – their careers are concerned. I know uh, Hamilton's about a half hour down the road, but I've, I've gotten word that they don't want you anymore. Uh, <laughs> I, I kid, I kid. Uh, that is there a great time when Utica stopped playing them. Um, so when yeah. I got, yeah, we were going to, I did not want to not play that game. I think I heard one of your earlier guests say they wanted to play the best. And that's kind of how we've wanted to approach this. We want to be in U of R's tournaments. We want to play Hamilton every year. It's it's a great test to see where we are as a program on a, on a national level. Um, there are at least um, three colleges in Division Three in that Utica area. SUNY IT, you guys in Hamilton, off the top of my head. Morrisville's not far. Right. Um, Casanova is not too far either. So they're all within an hour. Yep. Yeah. So you've, I, you, and obviously you go to Rochester, you go to Syracuse, you can start. I mean, you played Sage, who's now in conference. You, you mm-hmm. certainly know this is how it shakes out. In the conference standings, Hartwick, which isn't that far away either, um, eight and three overall. Nazareth, eight and three overall, are sitting behind you guys, though. You and Nazareth, Sage, and Elmire are the only ones who played games so far. All right, you're off to this 10-2 and two start. Bad news is uh, the gig's up. Uh, everyone knows about yeah. you now as you head into the full strength of the conference schedule. What are you expecting now from this, this conference slate, and can you stay on top of the conference? And if not, who's going to be the one that's going to have to be the one to beat, and can you knock them off when it matters the most? Yeah, obviously, the jury's out on whether we can continue this, but uh, you know, conference plays – as we keep talking about with our our young players that have not gone through a conference schedule before, um, it's just different. You know, it's not just one shot at somebody. People know your tendencies. People know what you run. People know what you want to do defensively. I mean, you know, they, they know personal stuff about you, you know, as players. So, um, you know, you're not going to be able to slip many things past opponents. So, you know, the things that you might be able to get away with against a non-conference opponent for the first time playing them as a freshman, uh, they start loading up on those things and try to make you do things you're just not comfortable doing. So um, I'm hopeful that we're going to continue to play well. And, uh, you know, we're shooting the ball pretty well right now. Uh, We're number one in the country in three-point field goal percentage, which is, um, you know, it's a testament to our older players that have really bought into sharing the ball and taking quality shots, not necessarily quantity. And we're taking good ones. Um, but, you know, you, you just don't know if there's going to be that day where you know, you, the ball's not going in and that yeah. doesn't always travel with you. So we've really, we've built this thing from year one on the defensive end. Um, and, you know, we're holding people to 41% shooting. I went up a little bit after the uh, Hamilton in particular last Five seven minutes, um, you know that that was Ooh, a buckle bit, up. Yeah, um, but and we can talk about that. Uh, yeah, um, I'd like but, to. Uh, <laughs> and and um, you know, but so we've really tried to hang our hat on defensive end and and really the importance of defending in the conference and and that's the that's what we hope travels with us game by game in the conference and uh, but yeah, there's a definitely going to be a bit of a target on our back. Uh, but I still think this is a pretty wide open conference, especially with 
Stevens exiting, who was having a tremendous year themselves. Yep. And, um, and congratulations to Coach Hurley on his 200th win. Uh, awesome. He's a great guy, great person within Division Three basketball. And, uh, you know, but St. John Fisher, you know, they've had a bunch of close games. They're going to be really good. Naz graduated three 1,000-point scores last year, but they are always well-coached, yeah. organized, and they're always going to have guys that are ready to come, come make plays at you and just kind of break you down over 40 minutes with great offense. Um, Sage, I think, is a potential playoff team. And then Hartwick is really playing great, and we get them this Saturday in a kind of an odd road game on a Saturday morning. we got to leave after playing here. Friday night, tomorrow night. So right. a little odd, but um, the schedule is what it is. We gotta go play the game. So I think those are the top teams right now, and and you know we're one of the few conferences in the country that gets 50% or less of their teams into their own conference tournament. So only four out of eight right. teams are gonna make this thing. So someone's gonna be left out, um, and that was us last year coming in fifth. So that's kind of been the, the uh, calling card as far as um, being able to pull from that history. And going eight and eight, or you know, now seven and seven, five hundred in the league is not going to be good enough to get in the top four. Uh, I want to talk about the roster and 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 the stats guys a little bit, but quickly on that Hamilton game, I tuned in right about the time you pointed out that five to seven minute mark. You guys had something like a twenty six point lead, uh, which shocked me. Is why I was tuned in. Um, I had forgotten there was a midday game, to be honest with you, in upstate mm-hmm. New York. So I tuned in to figure out what was going on in the hilltop and. I proceeded to watch you guys, and I don't, I don't mean this lightly. I do. I almost throw it away. I, they went on something like a 15-4 run. Mm-hmm. You guys got a few points. Then they went on an 11-0 run, and I'm sitting there going, oh, man, three-point game with 40 seconds left. What was going through your mind, and how did you get, get the guys to just – because the, the last 40 seconds was composure. How did yeah. that get back after nearly tossing away – a sizable lead. Yeah, we were. It was nineteen, I believe, with uh, seven and a half to go. Yeah, that's that's right. That's what um, I was right. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, and I'm gonna take. Uh, I'm definitely gonna fall on the sword for this one, you know. Um, and credit to them as well. They changed some defenses. They got went to a one through one that really slowed us down. Um, and it was a different look. Uh, you know, they were getting super aggressive, trapping out of it, and uh, you know, and I think I probably pulled us back from attacking probably a little too early. Um, you know, my wife's a college coach as well. And she, she told me <laughs> I screwed up. So, um, but she, but, um, That's awesome. know, it was, it was, uh, definitely a learning experience, but a lot of it was more who we were playing against as far as their sure. explosiveness scoring their average of 92. Um, and, and, you know, and we were, we felt like we were really good with the ball, uh, against, and we could just go by when we wanted it, but we just didn't want to give their all American, the ball back time and sure. time again so um yeah we probably probably went into that a little early to be honest and but the composure <laughs> was there these guys and it's got to start with me i'm freaking out they're freaking out they're not making free throws and um but you know it was a big win for the school uh you know this it hasn't happened much recently sure. uh, utica hamilton and there's a lot of utica professors and administrators that you know they were really, uh, they were very excited about that. So I was happy that, you know, the guys pulled it out for them. And we got two, three freshmen playing down the stretch. And, um, you yeah. know, it was a great learning experience for those guys. And they stepped up and made huge free throws late. And you almost, as a coach, yeah, it was uh, a lot to go through. 
you second guess a lot of things after the fact, but I'm glad it kind of ended that way. So we have some, again, another, another moment to pull from when we are in bigger games yeah. and playing against a team that's just got it rolling. And, and I'm, I'm a big believer in, in game pressure. So if you're down multiple possessions, also you're probably taking shots you wouldn't normally take. They're probably going in a little bit more because you're just shooting it. Like, got to take a chance. And uh, some of those went in, and, and we took some silly fouls and some some bad turnovers that, that led to some of that. But uh, sure. but it's a great learning experience for the guys. And um, But, you know, Hamilton, they're, they're great, and they're well coached by Coach Stockwell. And you knew they were going to go on a run. So uh, we were just True. able to withstand it and make the free throws when we needed to. And, of course, at a place – that saw some big win or some big games last year yeah. in the NCAA tournament, including knocking off one of the favorites to win a national title. Um, yeah. You, yeah. You're at, you were at a great place for the game uh, as well. Quickly, your team. Um, I'm going to, I'm probably going to screw up Thomas's last name. Morial. Morial. Mor- See, I, I second guessed the Morial. I yeah. thought that would have been too simple. Uh, <laughs> he's got 12.8. You got uh, Brett uh, Talbert at 12.2. Darius Hopkins, 11.8. Hunter Remley, 11.7 and 11.3 from Kobe Lufkin. When I see something like that, it tells me good luck stopping one guy because there's four others that are going to kill you. And who knows, out of everybody else on the team who scores, is going to have a big night as well. Yeah, and that's that's kind of been the blueprint, to be honest. And uh, the way that it's working out, you know, you got to pinch yourself a little bit that this is exactly what we want to do. But again, there's going to be some people that are going to try and disrupt that ahead of us here. So, um, but yeah, I, I think I heard someone say this on the radio locally about us, you know, we're the most plug and play team they've seen, at least in my tenure, that if a guy just not having a day, like Darius actually uh, played that Hamilton game with the flu and he had 18, um, but he's, you know, then he struggled in the Sage game with the sickness still, but we were able to, you know, have someone go in like a Justice Brantley as a freshman and, and play great and defend and rebound. And Tommy's been unbelievable as a freshman at 31 and 13 the other day. And he's a local local boy. And so uh, the people of uh, Central New York, and in particular the Mock Valley, have been really into, into us because of his success so far. And, and Brett Talbert just won ECAC Rookie of the Month. Um, and he's been, uh, he's been awesome to coach. Um, he just has a toughness and just attacks and his confidence as a freshman has spread across the rest of these guys and it's, uh, it's palpable. So, um, but it's, uh, it's a fun group and, and it's, yeah, it's kind of pick your poison a little bit. If a guy's not having a day or, or you leave Hunter or you leave Kobe, you leave Tommy, um, they're going to make shots. And, uh, and, and again, Hunter's, he's in the top 10 in three point field goal percentage um, to, to go along with our team field goal percentage from three. So, uh, they're sharing the ball. They're taking good shots. Their decision making has been much better, and um, and it's been fun. Um, but we just got to continue to defend, like I mentioned. Uh, I'm curious about the roster quickly before we let you go, because you got your New Yorks. I mean, sure, not surprisingly, but you also have New York, New Yorks, even Hudson, New Yorks, uh, air, ones who don't know the upstate New York area maybe all that well. You've got Connecticut, one transferred from Catholic. In Ryan jo- uh, Johans from Southbury, you've got uh, other parts of the country, including Tampa, Florida, which reminds me a little bit of of uh, Husson in Bangor, Maine, who mm-hmm. says, "Hey, I know we can go down to where there's no D3s right. and maybe take them." But I'm, I'm I mean this in all seriousness. I know Utica very well. It's where my part of my family 
lived. My mother lived there for years outside Utica. My aunt still lives in Remsen. I know that region well. That is not an easy region, I would think, to say, hey, come to Utica. We're 30 minutes south of some insane snow off yeah. of the uh, off of the uh, off, off the Great Lakes. And by the way, we're an exit on the thruway or two exits, to be fair. Yeah. How, cool. how do you get the recruits fired up to come to a town that's having to reimagine itself as well? Because the, the you know, mm -hmm. we talk about the Pittsburghs and the Baltimores of the world who have lost the, the blue collar side of it. How do you get them there? And as a result, seeing this success? I mean, that's a good question. Uh, I mean, it's a might long be a one. Better, I apologize. It might be a better one for the players <laughs> to answer, to be honest. I mean, um, I think it's a lot of just our passion and uh, we believe in what we can accomplish here. And again, back to our administrators and our president, President Casamento here, they have changed things here at this college. Um, we had a price reduction, a price reset in, in tuition the year before uh, I got here. It's been a huge success as far as enrollment, um, the facilities, and um, you know we got to sell ourselves too a bit. Um, so you know, I, I that's a good question, but we've you know we, we've got a lot of things to offer here from an academic program standpoint. Um, there is some beautiful parts of Utica, to be honest, um, and uh, there are. You're right. There is. So, I mean, I know Utica can get a bad rap a little bit sometimes, but there. it is definitely on the uh, the research here as far as our downtown area. Oh, absolutely. And, and the uh, the campus itself. So um, and I think a lot of it's we're selling an opportunity to be sure. really good. And um, and we believe in it. We wholeheartedly sure. believe in where we're at. This is we can be very good here. Um, I plan to be here a long time because of the amount of success I, I feel that this place can can achieve in multiple sports. Um, we have a large pool of kids to recruit from due to our standards academically. We can get involved with urban, suburban, rural, in-state, out-of-state, where, you know, unlike maybe a SUNYAC school, we're kind of pigeonholed to sure. just New York kids, and they're just beating each other up in the recruiting world yeah. for those kids, you know, so we can – we can go to Florida. We can go to Jersey. We can compete with the NJACs as far as tuition uh, and the, the, the bill at the end of the day. So um, I just think a lot of it's just we got to sell what we're about. And it's not it's, it's not fluff. It's, it's for real. And, um, and and we and it's not for everybody. We are going to do sure. things in a certain way from a program standpoint. Um, where it may not be for you. And we've seen that with some kids. And I kind of alluded to that earlier, like we're going to get after it. We are going to push the, the limits of the division three rules. Uh, we're going to treat this as close to a scholarship situation as possible. And if you're not made for that, then it's probably going to be a tough place to be. But if you want to be a great basketball player, we're going to try and develop you as a person, as a player, you're going to get great education. And, uh, you know, this is a this is a, a place for you to be, um, and we're going to try and win some big games here, and we just hope to be involved in some soon. Hey, I've I've seen Yitzhak Perlman perform in Utica. You just got to get off the arterial. That's all you got to yeah, do. Yeah. Don't say stuck on the arterial. Get yeah, off the arterial. Get off the throughway. You're good to go. There's a lot of <laughs> fun things you, to do. You do know Utica well. Oh, I do. New Hartford, especially. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Hey, uh, sir. Really appreciate the time. Uh, I will be getting up there someday. 
Um, yeah. I don't know when, but I want to get up to New York basketball. And Utica College and Hamilton are obviously on the list along with some others, so hopefully we'll run into each other. Uh, as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuned in tonight? You know, uh, you know. first of all, East, East region, um, you know, I know everyone complains we need a little more love in the East region from all you guys. <laughs> so I'll just throw that out there. There's some great teams here. And, Fair. We're waiting. Yeah. And we're, again, we're beating each other up for recruits, and uh, right, and and there's you know everyone's good. It's the regardless of record, um, anyone could beat anyone, um, especially in this region. Um, but no, I just you know thanking all the people that have helped get us off this start. Um, it's been a tough three and a half years, and I'm proud of all of them. Those who have come through the program, um, are all the assistants I've had here, and um, I've mentioned a few. And uh, and go pioneers. Well, well said. Congratulations. Enjoy the winter. Uh, and uh, I know. And stay safe on the on the highway tomorrow. So you know it's. Uh, I know it's supposed to be sixty down here. It's insane. All right, you guys beat. No, I don't like it. We just had a winter storm, and now we're gonna have sixties. I want yeah. my winter snow. I'm used to the snow I get in Utica or in Maine or in Chicago. I'm I'm not used to stuff down here. Thanks for the time. Really appreciate Absolutely. it. Good luck the rest of the season. I know we'll look forward to talking to you down the road and uh, catching up as well. All right. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Sean Coffey joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Skype hotline. Appreciate Coach taking the time. Again, they got Elmira coming up on the 10th and 11th at Hartwick's. You mentioned the tough travel that will require then St. John Fisher in Nazareth the next weekend. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll talk to the number two team in the country. Whitworth, Matt Croce joins us to talk about all that. We're running late, but you're going to enjoy it. I promise you. That's all ahead. You're listening to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville after this. Something I discovered in myself is that if I have a goal, I can accomplish it. It's a well-rounded experience. At a Division III school, you primarily a student-athlete, so the school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. Cheer for the stumbles. The heat should have had that. And the tears that linger. For in those moments, greatness lies. There, you will find the provoked, the determined, the unified. It's in those moments that champions are born. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built.
being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference. Division three has helped me to develop teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills. It's not just about basketball or it's not just about school. It's about developing yourself as a person altogether. It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. I coined my definition of success in 1934. My definition of success is peace of mind attained only through self-satisfaction and knowing you made the effort to do the best of which you're capable. It's like reputation and character. Reputation is what others perceive you to be. Character is what you are. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, on this Thursday evening. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got questions for us, you can always tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. We believe that's working, though we haven't got a lot of emails from you folks. Um, you can also join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville, where we are simulcasting the show today. Of course, we're also simulcasting it on YouTube. That's youtube.com slash D3Hoopsville. But, of course, our broadcast partners at Blue Frame Technology is where we are. And if you're watching the show on our T1 Sports app on Amazon Fire, Apple TV, Roku, or Android devices, Thanks for taking the time to watch us, maybe on the big screen. Lots to talk about. We've talked about a lot, obviously, but now let's um, talk about one of the big teams in Division Three. certainly rising the rankings to number two. It's the Tigers of Wittenberg, one of the now less and less undefeated teams in Division Three at 12-0. They're already 5-0 in NCAC competition. Coming up, they've got Hiram, Wabash, Worcester, and then Ohio Wesleyan. In other words, things are really ramping up. For the Tigers. So joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, it is their head coach, Matt Croce. Coach, thanks for taking the time. Happy New Year and congratulations on what has been a pretty tremendous season so far. Uh, thanks, Dave. Appreciate you having me on. Not counting, well, anytime. Not counting the um, the tournament. We're halfway through the season for you guys uh, at, at 12 games. But at the same time, we're now into the heavier part of the season. Not that the early part's fun in games, but compared to the NCAC, it might be considered as such. You're kind of into the grind, as it were. Yeah, you know, it is that time of the year. You know, kind of mid-January, you're getting into the dog days of the season, and, um, you know, everybody's been practicing and uh, working at it pretty hard since mid-October. So, you know, this is when you got to really uh, sharpen things up and, and uh, make sure you're you're really going to work every day trying to improve and you know, uh, teams know who you are, what you do, 
how you execute and things like that. So you really got to be on top of your game. Interesting enough, in the last few games, uh, Ohio Northern certainly played you tight. Kenyon played you somewhat tight. You had some distance on Denison. You're not necessarily at the second go-round in the conference yet, so nobody's seen you in person. Obviously, everybody's seen video. Does that allow still for some surprises, both that you can throw out there or that you guys are seeing yourselves? You know, I, I don't know if, you know, we're surprised um, – that I mean, I think we've got some good teams that we play. I think our conference is deeper than it's ever been, top to bottom. I mean, we've got we've got great great coaches, uh, lots of really good, experienced players at every school. So, you know, we're we're not expecting to win every game by twenty or twenty five points. I think that's unrealistic. So, you know, our focus is on the, you know the daily improvement and going from game to game and these little three day stretches. And, um, you know, um, teams that know us know what, what we do well and what we're trying to do. And, again, you know, have a lot of respect for the league coaches and, and players. And, and uh, they're going to make it as difficult as they can. They're also trying to win games, you know, as well. So uh, we prepare for it. We're, we're ready for it. And, you know, I mean, that's what makes it fun uh, and fun part of this, you know, this time of the year. You, you talked about the conference. Let's stick there for a second. It's It certainly seems deeper this year. Worcester, not surprisingly, right behind you. There's been high expectations for Wabash. You never know what you're going to get out of DePaul. Uh, Ohio Wesley, of course, Mike DeWitt's going to bring a team that's going to be ready for anything at any time, even if they don't seem it on paper. And you've got everybody else in there, Allegheny, Kenyon, Dennison, and Hiram. What is it about this conference that's that's allowed it to get so deep? Because I think for a lot of us, it wasn't that many years ago, we were kind of used to the top heaviness of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I think there's a couple factors. I mean, um, if you look throughout the league, you, we've got a lot of coaches that have been at their schools for a number of years, you know, and working at it. Um, it allows you to get some continuity and recruiting and building a program. And so I think we've got really good coaches in our league. I think there's a commitment by the you know, most of the schools in the conference to, uh, you know, increase facilities or, or the brand of their, you know, basketball programs. And so certainly I think that that's uh, a good thing for all the schools. I know that the conference is constantly trying to increase the, the brand of the North Coast, you know, just outside of our geographic footprint. So there, there's that. And, and then I also, the, the reality is that, that most of our teams brought back you know, the majority of their roster, okay. you know, I mean, we, we graduated one senior from last year's team and most years, you know, you'd feel really good about that. And we, and we certainly do. Uh, but, but everybody else brought almost all of their guys back as well. So, uh -huh. you know, when, when you have uh, some competitive programs already and each one of those programs is only losing maybe one or two seniors that, that are in their rotation, uh, it, it makes for a heck of a year. And, and again, that's, that's what makes it so fun um, to kind of go game by game. And, and you're right. I mean, you know, eight, ten years ago, the league was incredibly top-heavy. Uh, it is not like that anymore. If you are not ready to go, you don't play well, uh, you're not locked in and focused on what you need to do, uh, there are – plenty of teams in our league that that can knock you off so it, again it, it that's the fun part of it for me of course we're not that far removed from DePaul uh, a couple of years ago making that run in the conference tournament to win right. it uh not even being in the home court advantage slots 
speaking of that, that seems like obviously a very important thing, even if I did just show an example of where it didn't. You guys, these games, you might be able to take one or two or three and, and take them as a loss, but it's really depending on who. You you want to position yourself, I assume, for NCAC you know, home court advantage, but also I'm sure you're looking into March and going, listen, if we stay on top, we can control things all the way to Fort Wayne. Yeah, I mean, quite honestly, we we are not looking that far ahead. Sure, <laughs> no, know, I get that. I know, I know. Most coaches will will kind of throw that out as a, as, as cliche that it's day by day and and one game at a time. Uh, we we really do approach it um, like that. I mean, for us, in the way the routine of the you know second semester goes, I mean, we, everything is about a three day segment for us. It's a couple of days of preparation and then a game, and then we go to the next one. I think, you know, for us having a really experienced team, you know, we've got a lot of really good juniors and seniors that were freshmen and sophomores on our, our team a couple of years ago that won 27 games and got, you know, got us back into the NCAA tournament. And they have really trusted and bought into us keeping things small picture, daily routine, daily grind, daily improvement, being competitive, trying to fix uh, things that we're maybe not doing as well as we want. And if we do those things, then the end of the season uh, will take care of itself. And so I think with the, the competitiveness of the North Coast this year, you know, that's the only way you can approach it, you know. And we, we just need to take it one game at a time. If we do things the way we want to do them, we'll be putting ourselves in a position to, to have home games in the conference tournament. If you have home games in the conference tournament, you give yourself a, you know, a chance to advance. And obviously if you advance, then you can get into March and, and have the kind of season at the end uh, that you want. So, you know, I think you got to be careful about, you know, working uh, from the back up to the, the present, mm. you know. So we just, we just kind of deal with the day to day and know that if we do things right, uh, the back end of our season will be what we want it to be. Sure, makes total sense. And, of course, you also have to consider that a team like a Hiram, they might be the bottom of the conference, but it doesn't mean, and we've been seeing this with the parity of Division Three across the board, and to paraphrase a coach on the women's side, a really good team can have an off night, and an average team can have a really good night and spoil everything. Hiram could easily disrupt you guys if you're looking past them. Yeah, absolutely. And Hiram's a, always been a challenging place to play on the road, and you know it's one of our farther trips, and and they always play really well at home. You know that that was the team that beat us a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. We had won a bunch in a row to start the year, went up to Hiram, and they played really well and put it on us. So. You know, our, our guys understand that, and that's that's like I like I said for us, it's about preparing the next couple of days for them. Uh, we'll we'll be ready to go. We'll embrace the uh, you know the opportunity to be on the floor together and and compete as a team and and see where it takes us. Talking to Matt Croce, head coach of the number two ranked Wittenberg Tigers on the men's side. Coach, uh, we should point out in the NABC Coaches Corner. Coach, I'm curious. Uh, you're up at number two in the polls. I've got you at number five. And the reason I've got you there is I feel like I don't truly know what you guys have outside of what I read on a box score. Uh, and, and that can tell us some, but it doesn't tell us all. You've got five seniors. I realize there's a lot of experience. Two of them are in the top three in scoring. You have a lot of juniors who are contributing. That's obviously great for the future as well. But can you give us a sense of what is working so well for you guys and maybe the nuances or at least the players that are rising to the occasion? Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I actually take, 
take that as a compliment, to be honest with you, because there's a lot of things that are uh, really good about our team that you can't find in a box score, you can't find in stats. Um, I think it's a lot of the intangibles. Uh, we, we've got incredibly uh, just uber competitive guys on our team. Uh, they're hard workers. They play for each other first. Uh, winning is the most important thing to the guys in our program. Uh, it's what our program has been built on for, you know, 70, 80 years. It's why we're the all-time winningest program in D3 is you've got guys that are skilled and really competitive but play through the scope of team. And, and a lot of times that's not necessarily going to show up, you know, on the stat sheet. So I, I think that's the biggest thing for us. We've got some really talented guys that, that move the ball, uh, they share it. Uh, they play the right way. And, you know, when things go well, uh, they they genuinely are happy for each other and the success that they see their, their teammates having. And so, you know, cultures of, you know, being a, having a good culture is kind of a buzz, a buzzword or a buzz topic these days in athletics. Um, I, I think our culture is, is rock solid right now. We've got guys that approach everything the right way. And so, um, that, that's what I would say right now. The strength of our team uh, and the strength of the program for the last few years has is, is really been our players and how they approach things, how unselfish they are, and, and kind of how they work together. Can you give me a sense, uh, you know, I look at the stat sheet, and I, what I jumps out at me is you've got a, a guy in Connor who's double, he's averaging double digits, 17 points a game, 11 rebounds a game, um, that obviously is going to gain attention. And so I can't imagine everybody in the world isn't going, well, we're going to double-team him. What allows the team then to work as a unit if the attention's on him and yet he's still getting his numbers and you guys are still succeeding and, and distancing, distancing yourselves from a lot of decent teams? Yeah, I mean, I think that that um, is proof of the trust uh, that the guys have in each other and the discipline to play the right way. So it's no secret that we're going to throw the ball to Connor and we're going to kind of play through him. And he's been doubled uh, hard and often in pretty much every game we've played. We've seen it, uh, you know, from the baseline, from the top, off the other forward, off the other guard, on the dribble, before the dribble. Uh, we've seen zones and all that. And so we prepare for that. Our guys know where they need to be and what they need to do when those situations come up. Uh, but the reality is, you know, preparation is, is only a small part of it. The other part of it is what I mentioned before, that our guys are, are trusting in this is how we want to play. And then they're disciplined enough to stay with it when it's working. You know, and I think that's human nature sometimes when you have something that's working and, and you build a lead and guys want to go and get off script a little bit and not necessarily to be selfish, but just, just, you know, capitalize on their own opportunities. And I think one of the things that we've done well and our guys have done well is just stick with what works, be disciplined, uh, you know, and kind of ride the horse until somebody stops it. And so, again, I just think that's a, that's a testament to our guys. You guys have, obviously, again, this grind. You've got, well, what, I think about four more games before you'll turn it over to the second half of the season. I could be slightly wrong on that on that number, but you guys have gotten through some conference games, and you obviously have a lot ahead. What are you telling the team when you get into the practices or the locker room ahead of a game to get them ready for a Hiram or get them ready for a Wabash game? 
Well, again, you know, I mentioned it earlier, but, but, you know, when you're specifically, you know, getting ready for each opponent, I think it's, it's trying to keep things simple. It's trying to keep, uh, you know, the focus on the scouts or the team that you're playing to keep things in manageable doses. Uh, the small handful of things that you want to improve, improve upon, sorry, from, you know, the previous game and then the small handful of things that you need to do well to win the next one. And it's spending a couple of days working on that stuff. And so, again, I think the luxury of having an experienced team and, and having them buy into how we do things, uh, they really do approach it the right way. So they, they know that, you know, we've got, with all these returning guys, we've got guys that have gone up to Hiram and lost. You know, um, the, the last two or three years, you know, if I look beyond Hiram to the to the last three games that we play in the first, you know, trip through the league, mm-hmm. Wabash, Worcester, and Wesleyan in a row, uh, the last two or three years we've played them in a row, you know, in the first trip and in the second trip through the league. So our guys are used to playing those, tr- those three teams back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. So it's not something that we, you know, are going to see for the first time. They know the approach that they have to have. So, you know, you got to keep things simple. You got to keep things in manageable doses. You got to keep focusing on, the, you know, the improvements and the preparation. And, uh, you know, again, I think because we've had success doing it that way, our guys trust it. They buy in. And, and then, you know, once, once we tip it off on Saturday afternoon, they're ready to roll. You know, they're excited. They're competitive. Their juices are flowing and they can just get up and down the floor and fly around and have fun with it. If I'm being recruited by you guys, or, or if you're going out there on the recruiting trail, does the winningest program in Division Three sell itself, or is there? How do you guys sell the Tigers program in, in Wittenberg and coming to Springfield, Ohio? How do you sell that if if being at the winningest program isn't enough? Well, I think you know it's a it's a good question. I I would say that that um, being the all time winningest program certainly opens the door. You know, but but the beginning of this, you know, building of the Wittenberg men's basketball program was done long before these 18-year-old kids were born, right? Mm-hmm. So you could talk about the national championship in in the early 60s or the champion national championship in uh, in the 70s. You know, that doesn't really resonate with them. So you can talk about what the program means, the kind of guys uh, that we're looking for. The biggest thing that we, we really try to talk about with our, our, you know, in our recruiting is just what this program can do for them, uh, what they're going to bring to the table to make us uh, a better program, the things that they can do, but also what does the basketball program at Wittenberg do for them? How does it get them their degree, uh, prepare their, you know, them for life after college? You know, it's a decision they're making for the next four years that's going to affect the next 40 years. So, uh, we, we really talk a lot about the guys that have come before them, what they're doing, uh, how the program was built, you know, and so we're, we're looking for guys that are incredibly talented as an individual, but who are willing to, like I said before, play through the scope of team. Team success comes first, buy-in, hard work, um, all that. And so I, I feel like we tend to, you know, attract the guys we're looking for that are going to kind of embrace that you know, um, with the history of program, that there's there's implied expectations. You know, I mean, our alumni are around; they want us to do well, and so we we need guys that are willing to kind of accept the the implied expectations, the pressure that comes, you know, with with playing at a place like Wittenberg, and and then just kind of accept it and have a lot of fun uh, trying to pursue it. 
Talking to Matt Croce, head coach of the Wittenberg Tigers men's team, number two in the D3Hoops.com top 25. Uh, wrapping things up, Coach, you got two other questions. One has to do with that history a little bit. You mentioned the championship in 61 and 77. You guys are four wins away from 1,800 wins as a program. Um, but, you know, you haven't been to the – well, you've been to the championship weekend once this century. Is there pressure, especially as an alum, to get this program – not only to live up to those stats, but back to the top and always and make more trips to the Final Four, understanding that the bracket is the bracket, and we understand that that can be a challenge. But is there a pressure to go out and do what was done in the 60s and 70s and even 80s and 90s? Uh, the, the easy answer is yes. Okay. <laughs> I appreciate yeah, and, that. <laughs> yeah, and, and quite honestly, um, there's a different level to it with me being an alum and being, you know, I was fortunate enough to play with some great, great teammates in the 90s, and we were fortunate enough to, to make a Final Four in 94. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I, um, I wouldn't say that they're external coming in toward me. There's there's plenty of pressure that I put on myself as mm-hmm. an alum to, to – um, drive this program forward, um, and and it's not to do what hasn't been done in a while. It's to do things the right way to provide the same experience for our guys now that you know the guys that for you know sixty and seventy years had an incredible experience being a men's basketball player at Wittenberg. So we're trying to provide that same experience for our you know current guys and then incoming recruits. Uh, but yeah, absolutely, there is there is uh, daily pressure. You know, walk walk past uh, national championship banners on the way to my office. Um, you know, Final Four banners, things like that. We see it every day. There are guys that come to come to our games that stop into practice. Uh, you know, uh, Coach Bob Hamilton, who coached back in the '70s and played here, uh, built a team that then he turned over for a national championship in '77. Is back at most of our home games, stops into practice, comes in the locker room after games. Uh, it's fantastic to have guys like him around, uh, and it does help bridge the gap a little bit from the you know distant history, more recent for our guys. So uh, yeah, but honestly, it's like I said in recruiting, uh, and I view it the same way as the you know as the current head coach here. I mean, that's what makes the 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 process fun. I mean, the pressure is fun. I mean, we're competitive people. We're trying to do things as well as we can do them. And so, yeah, you know it's there. Uh, we don't. I, I don't coach because of the pressure. Our guys don't play a certain way because of the pressure. Uh, I coach and they play because, I mean, that's the fun of it, you know, trying to put yourself out there and compete and see what you can do. Great insight. I appreciate the, the th- frankness of that. Uh, last question. We're looking already ahead to the tournament, only in the sense that we got a lot of information this week on what it may look like in terms of a split in the Sweet 16, and we already know Fort Wayne's kind of the Elite Eight and Final Four. There's been talk and maybe some efforts to have staggered times the opening weekend. If you guys were hosting, would you be open to having, let's say, games on Friday at 2 and 4 o'clock? I'm making those numbers up. Um, that allows all the games to be seen by everybody, which also means on Saturday your game's at either 3 or 4 possibly. Is that an idea that it's intriguing to you, or do you guys kind of like your traditions? You know, honestly, we'll we'll play at whatever time. I mean, if if uh, playing at two o'clock on a Friday in in March means that we are playing in March, uh, that's great. <laughs> we'll take it, right? So, sure. You know, I think most of the teams around the country are playing early afternoon games at some point. You know, uh, on the weekend. So I think coaches and players are ready for it. I think fans are are ready for it as well. So. 
you know, I think if it provides an opportunity to to watch more games from a fan perspective, I think that's great. I, I think from a coach's and a, and a player's standpoint, there is potential to get more rest or turnaround time if you're playing games a little bit earlier in the day. And, you know, us, us coaches are always looking for more time to watch film and prepare <laughs> our team. So, you know, playing earlier in the day and having more time to prepare if you're able to win that first-round game and play again the second round is, is always great from that standpoint. Sure. Makes total sense. Appreciate you humoring us there. Coach, really appreciate the time. Great chatting with you. I love the insight. Thanks for the frankness as well. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? Uh, no, I wouldn't say anything more than I said already. I do, I do really appreciate the opportunity to, to be on and talk about our, our players and our program and the history and, and all the support that we get around here. It uh, makes my job a lot of fun. I really enjoy coming to work every day and, and uh, appreciate you having us on. Absolutely. Thank you for taking the time. Uh, enjoy the rest of the season, especially the NCACA uh, grind, and we'll look forward to talking to you down the road. Okay. Thanks, Dave. Matt Croce joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline in the NABC Coaches Corner. Again, they're 12-0 overall, 5-0 in the conference. They got Hiram coming up on the road, as he mentioned, then home against Wabash, on the road against Worcester, home against Ohio Wesleyan. That will wrap up the first half of the NCAC, and then they go back into the second half. Though a nice three-game home stretch there, 22nd, 25th, and 29th of January for this group. When we come back, we'll wrap up the show, answer any questions you may have outstanding that we haven't gotten to, maybe even get some thoughts in ourselves about things we've been discussing on the show. You're listening to Hoops Hoop, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops Hoop when we come back. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, 
you can play in Division Three. I'm a Division Three student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. Welcome back to Hoopsville. I'm Amy Sakaitis, head coach at Lebanon Valley College and a member of the Women's Basketball Coaches Association. We hope you enjoy the show, and now back to Dave. Well, thanks, Coach, as we uh, had that run a second time. Hope you got uh, you've enjoyed the show, folks. We've had a pretty good show, to say the least. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Um, last segment, we're not going to stay on long because it's already 15 minutes longer than we normally would have gone tonight, thanks to an emotional interview with Randy Tuggle at Greensboro, and then a fascinating conversation with Sean Coffey. Uh, and admittedly, Matt Croce's interview went a little longer than we had expected. I think the only interview that kind of stuck within our framework tonight was the first one, and that's how it always works out, doesn't it? This is why we can't necessarily do five interviews in a show anymore unless we add some time. <laughs> I digress. Um, so if you have any last second, if you're watching the show live, if you got any last second thoughts, um, questions, whatever, get them in now, either via Twitter, via email, Facebook, where we're simulcasting the show, YouTube, whatever. Um, so a couple of things. Uh, we're keeping track of scores from around the country tonight. Um, so far, somewhat status quo. There's a lot of games going on tonight. I'm going to double check the men in a minute because there's so many. On the women's side, number 25, Texas, Dallas, upset by East Texas Baptist, 58-54 tonight. Upset maybe isn't the right word necessarily because let's remember um, East Texas Baptist isn't a bad program. They're also getting votes in the top 25. So they may not be in the top 25, but they're getting votes. So I guess we could use as maybe a coin flip game. It went East Texas Baptist way. Of course, they're the home team. Mary Harden Baylor, the only other top 25 team on the women's side in action tonight. They beat Bellhaven by 22. Gettysburg, who's in the voting Category has got an easy lead over Bryn Mawr, 34-10 at the half. Um, since this is a Mid-Atlantic show, we didn't have our Mid-Atlantic segment tonight. We didn't have any guests. We'll take a look at a couple Mid-Atlantic scores on the women's side. FNM defeated McDaniel 59-50. I'm starting to feel for the Green Terror. I call games for them, but I'm really 
starting to feel for them at this point. They've lost six straight in conference or seven straight in conference. They've been in every one of these games. They just cannot get over the hump. Um, I'd hate to look back at that box score because I have a feeling you're going to see Green Terror were in the lead. Um, no, FNM had that game in hand most of the way. It was tied after the first quarter, three-point lead for FNM at a halftime. Um, that extended out to a 12-point lead in the third quarter. McDaniel won the fourth quarter but lost by nine. So uh, they didn't. that's not bad. Muhlenberg got past Swarthmore in women's basketball. Muhlenberg, really tough start to the season. Um, lost, what, one, two, three, four, five, seven of their first nine games. They've won, now won three in a row. Uh, Ron Roan just doesn't have the same team. He doesn't even have the same assistant. We joked about that on, on the first show back from Vegas. Uh, they've got McDaniel next, uh, but they've at least got three in a row there. So that's that's not too shabby for them. Um uh, trying to see if there was any other Mid-Atlantic. I don't think there was a lot of other Mid-Atlantic games. Notre Dame, Notre Dame played uh, St. Elizabeth and lost. Um, so really nothing else jumping out at us. We'll keep an eye on uh, the Gettysburg game, 36-30, 36-10. Maybe I must type the score in. 36-10, the score there. On the men's side of things, a little bit more interesting. Uh, just one or two teams in action in the top 25. Swarthmore's got a seven-point lead on Muhlenberg. Remember, this is a Muhlenberg team that started 8-0. And now, what, two of their last three, I think it was, uh, they won? Or uh, that doesn't sound right. Uh, they won eight in a row and, and, and lost two of their last three. That's what it was. They're they're hanging tight with Swarthmore. Swarthmore's taken all, long, all comers. My only concern now is... Some of these games that they need to put their foot down, they're not putting their foot down. I get it as a conference game, but still, that's got me a little bit worried. In the meantime, talking about putting your foot down, Johns Hopkins is putting their foot down on Dickinson. It is 69-40 with 9.46 left to go in that game. Remember Dickinson? This was a Dickinson team that in 2012-2013 was 21-8. The next year, 24-6. The following year, 24-6. In the national conversation, we were talking about whether they should make the national tournament um, when the Mac Commonwealth was so darn strong. Uh, they had a heck of a game in the second second round against Albertus Magnus. Alan Serrani's team, and, and I'll tell you this much, I was told Alan Serrani had a job ready to go um, in a UAA school once a decision was made there. I'd, I'd, I might have to circle back on that because... And nothing against Allen, but 13 and 13 for uh, in the 2015-16 season, 16 and 11 the following, stayed in the fight, but 12 and 6 in conference, 15 and 11 in, in 2017 and 18 season, but last year 15, 10 and 15, and this year right now, they're 1 and 10, and they're getting absolutely trounced by Hopkins. Their one win was against McDaniel. It's the only conference win. They've lost to York, Shippensburg, Mount Eliosius, Muhlenberg, Muhlenberg, Haverford, F&M, and double overtime. Immaculata, Rowan, Leb Val, twice. That's unfortunate. They played Lebanon Valley in back-to-back games. And, and now Hopkins. This is a, a proud program. Alan Sreddy's a darn good coach. Um, you, there's some who would chalk this up to recruiting. That Dickinson has changed its, not recruiting, I shouldn't say, I should say admissions maybe is a better way of saying it. That Dickinson has changed, um, and maybe it's financial aid department, has changed its way of handing out money, you know, merit-based money, that Soretti's having a harder time getting in recruits. And, and 
I never knew a recruit there that wasn't a smart kid. So they, they get smart ones in, but something's changed. And Dickinson's getting trounced right now by Hopkins in that game. Just it, some of the things that jump out at you as you as you look at things, and that one has jumped out at me much of the season. It's now a thirty-point game with eight and a half minutes left. The game is at Hopkins, right? I think that game's at Hopkins. Sorry, I'm not used to Hopkins not using a, a particular stat system. <laughs> it is at Hopkins. Uh, other scores that jumped out at me. Uh, I'm going to refresh the screen one more time because we got a bunch of men's games going on. F and M is absolutely trouncing McDaniel in men's basketball. Um, that's a 21 point game. Last check. Um, Saul Ross State and Harden Simmons at the end of the first half. It's a five point game. Gettysburg got past Ursinus. Ursinus is a good team, but that's a great win for Gettysburg. Gettysburg may end up being the team that may live up to some of the hype at the beginning of the season. Some people were saying they were going to be one of the best teams in the conference in that upper, upper level. Well, they're now nine and three, three and two in conference play with that win today. Um, they, they may be the one in there. I thought her sinus was going to be in the mix, especially after the last few years of the build. I thought Washington college would be in their mix, but they're three and eight right now. Um, Haverford nine and two, four and zero oh in the centennial conference. You cannot, ignore the fact that the Centennial Conference men's race is going to be a dandy. And unfortunately, the women's race is now starting to look like it's not going to be as interesting. Haverford is really good. McDaniel took them to the wire Saturday, but they got they continue to win. They're 7-0 in conference play, 10-2 overall. Gettysburg, 6-0, 10-1. Then you've got her sinus in the mix, though they're at 500. They're 5-2 in conference play. Hopkins is struggling. They're seven and five, four and three. I thought they would be better, but they've exchanged lo- uh, wins and losses in the last six. Lost to Gettysburg, beat Muhlenberg, lost to Swarthmore in the first half or in the 2019 part of that. Then beat Lynchburg, lost to Haverford in overtime, and beat Dickinson today. I think Hopkins has got to go on a run if 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 this um, this conference race is going to get any more exciting. Um, Muhlenberg, I don't, I don't think they're going to be much in the mix. McDaniel's letting this one opportunity slip aside. I thought F and M would be. So I think the the Centennial race is going to be more interesting on the men's side, despite the fact you've got a number one team in there we thought would certainly dominate. I didn't think they would. I don't think they'll go undefeated in the conference. I wouldn't be surprised if Hopkins beats them at this point the way they're playing. I wouldn't be surprised if someone else beats them. But the men's race on the Centennial side could be fascinating uh, to watch. Uh, other results. Nothing really jumps out at me. Nichols got past Roger Williams, 85-73. Um, there's a bunch of games that are taking place as we speak or should be wrapping up soon uh, across the country. And and we'll you know stay with D3Hoops.com for those scores, obviously, as as the, season, as the night progresses. Um, uh, so questions, a couple of – and then I got to an NCAA tournament note I want to get to. Um Oh, I have not. Jeff reminds me. I totally forgot, Jeff, and I didn't even get my video ready. Um, Jeff Henson reminds me. Olivet, if you had not been following, and I'm not going to be able to, unfortunately, I don't think, get the video up in time because uh, I was asleep at the wheel today trying to get some other things down. Sam Hargraves has a fascinating video uh, back uh, after Christmas, New Year's time. Um, A sprinkler head, I think we mentioned this on an earlier show, a sprinkler head broke in the gym at Olivet and poured water on the floor, to say the least. If you were a Carthage fan, you might know about this because the game had to get moved to the older gym where they don't have any, not as many things set up, including live streaming 
at the time. Um, the floor was obviously unable to play on initially. They needed to get it checked, move some games, made, had to make some arrangements. It has now been discovered they have had to rip up the floor. That floor is done for the season for Olivet. Uh, Sam Hargraves, welcome to your first season at Olivet. Uh, a busted sprinkler head leads to a flood on the floor. They are ripping up the entire thing, subfloor and everything. And, and trust me, you know if you're a fan of this show, this studio's been redone twice in three water disasters in the last five or six years in this house. I know what it means to rip up everything. This last summer, it was literally the entire basement. Um, so I can appreciate this. But Olivet is literally having to play on a backup floor now. I had some pictures and video, and I didn't get them put together. If I remember, I'll try and get them together on Sunday. We had so many other things we were fires we were putting out before today's show that I didn't get around to it. But um, I feel bad for all of that. But, you know, that's things that schools have to deal with sometimes. And it's sometimes good to have a backup gym. At my alma mater, there's a backup gym, but they can't play on it. Well, I don't think they technically can. It is not 94 feet long. Furthermore, the out-of-bounds lines are, you have enough for a bench. That's it. Um, on the sidelines, the baselines, you at least have a little bit more room, but not much. It is tighter than a high school gym, and it is not even as long as most high school gyms. So at least Olivet has a backup. That said, they're still tap dancing a little bit. I feel bad for Olivet, to say the least. Um, oh, I really feel bad for Olivet. Uh, that is a tough situation to be in. Speaking of Great Lakes, our good friend Andrew wants us to talk about hope. Says there's big games ahead. I'll be blunt about Hope. Um, I'm amazed by how much the MIAA and Hope in particular has struggled of late. Yes, they've got a good record at 8-4, and four, but they lost to Illinois Tech. Then they beat Olivet. Um, coming up on Saturday, they got Albion. And, of course, we got Calvin on the road for the men coming up on the 15th. If you look overall, Calvin is 6-6 six and six this season. Hope is 8-4. and four. Listen, it's going to be a big game like it was last year, the game I went to at Hope. Um, you know that's always going to be the case. Everyone's going to bring their best. The crowd's going to be raucous. You're going to get about 5,000 there in, at, at Calvin, and it's going to be a great game. But in the grand scheme of things, it's not got the lure right now the re around the country because neither program is where it's been that we've gotten used to. Um, you know, hope is synonymous with 21 seasons, but since 2013, they've also had sub 21 seasons. And this year might be another one of them, um, at Calvin, obviously coaching change. Um, Kevin Vandestreek out bill Saul, the head coach, the grad of Calvin in, in 1990. Um, they started the season with a win against Illinois Wesleyan, certainly impressive. Then lost three straight to Augustana Anderson, and Aquinas, and then beat Cornerstone. And I'll say it again, Aquinas and Cornerstone have got to get off that schedule. I understand the significance in the area, but I'm telling you, if Calvin's ever in an at-large situation and we're talking about your resume, got two games we're going to eliminate from the conversation. We say it every year. It's got to happen. Um, they got a win over Whitewater, then lost to Oshkosh and Wheaton, beat Emory and Henry uh, down in Florida and beat Skidmore down there as well. Skidmore is not having a great season. Emory and Henry, also a coaching change there. Uh, ben Thompson, now the head coach from Virginia, the Virginia Tech grad, they're not having a great season at 3-10. They lost a few people as well. 
Uh, then Calvin came back and beat Grace Bible. Sorry, that's three games we're not going to talk about if they were in the at-large conversation this year. And then lost to Albion, and it wasn't close, 93-62. I don't have a lot of high hopes. I hope Calvin game is going to be close. I think Bill Saul's basically having to rebuild the program to some degree uh, after Kevin Vandestreek retired at the end of last season. And hope isn't as strong as we've gotten used to. I, I love Greg Mitchell. I think I think he does great things there on the men's side, and I think they've got the potential. But I think what we're starting to see, and, and this is just a theory that I have not been able to really hash out, but we might might now be seeing what we've we're talking about up in New York State. There's so many teams now going for the same talent, and I think some of that talent's also willing to go elsewhere. And I don't think Hope Calvin, and you could argue Aquinas and Cornerstone, whatever, has the stranglehold of the talent in Western Michigan like it used to. And maybe it, it's going to take a rethinking of stuff. Hope Calvin, listen, in soccer, Calvin's one of the best programs in the country. You could talk about volleyball. Hope and Calvin are insanely good. But in basketball, the men's side of things has stepped back. And I don't, maybe I'm fully off on this. Maybe I'm too early or I'm just, I'm grasping a little bit. I don't know. But for some reason in my mind, the Hope Calvin men's race, the game's great. And, and, it's, and it's a tremendous rivalry. But there's not much else to talk about at Hope Calvin right now. And I know Hope's 8-4. and four, And they could go on a tear and be a team we're talking about at the top 25. Calvin six and six under a new head coach. They're figuring everything else new there. And I just don't know where the future is. So I applaud everybody who's excited about Hope Calvin on Wednesday. It's it's on my my notes, but I'm not necessarily going to tune into it. I think there'll be other games I'll be interested in tuning into on Wednesday. Uh, on the women's side of things, of course, Hope women are undefeated at 14-0. They've got Calvin coming up at home on the 15th which is also the same day. So go figure, right, everybody? That's the crazier one. So Hope men are at Calvin. Calvin's women are at Hope on the same day. If there's one thing I wish the MIA would do, and I know there's an unbalance like the Centennial and some other conferences with women's schools, I wouldn't have Hope Calvin be in two different gyms splitting the audience. I think there's enough people who want to see both genders play, which... I still think you're going to have raucous places, but I don't think that's fair. That that deserves to be a doubleheader every single year. And I realize I, I may be the only one who thinks that way in that part of the country. But that game, Brian Morehouse has got a great team. Albion's nipping on his heels. So is so is Trine. Albion's eleven and two. Trine's nine and four. Calvin's nine and five, three and two. Um, I will admit I'm a little surprised. Um well, I'm not going to go there. Um, Mark Krishner, head coach at Calvin for the women's program. Uh, they've lost. They've won three in a row, but they had previously to that lost three of four. Here's another example. They played Northwestern Ohio and Trinity Christian College in their non-conference schedule. So if we're ever talking about Calvin women in the in the non-conference uh, game or in the uh, at-large game, we're going to be not talking about Calvin because they got two games we can't even talk about. Um, I don't know. I don't know why that's happening. I don't think there's a good reason. But Brian Morehouse has an absolute juggernaut of a woman's team, as always. 
Um, they beat Luther by 30 to start the season, beat Benedictine in a game that didn't even, oh, the only problem I have with Brian Morehouse's schedule, and we talked about this on the last show, I think, or if not the first show coming back from Vegas, they have two games against Finlandia on their schedule. They played Finlandia on the 15th, beat them 87-26, and then played them again down in Florida and beat them 82-51. If we are talking about Hope needing an at-large bid out of this conference, because Albion or Trine, or anybody for that matter, but Albion or Trine has the AQ, when one of them knocked off Hope, Hope has done themselves absolutely no favors. They played Grace Bible, so it's off the, off the radar, and they played Finlandia twice. That's three games that does them no favors whatsoever, and the Finlandia game's going to hurt their SOS. Their games is going to hurt their SOS. I love Brian. I wish he and Greg um, would go to the D3Hoops.com Classic in Vegas. We've seen Calvin there on the men's side. I don't see a reason they shouldn't be there either. Um, if it's a religious thing because, quote-unquote, Sin City, I think we can work around that. Uh, Calvin's didn't have an issue with it. And we've had other schools like Wheaton there with no issues on this. George Fox has visited on numerous occasions. I think Hope needs to go out instead of be going to Florida. And, and I realize there may be an alum, I think, involved in that event. I, I get it. But I, I'm going to have to check the schedules. If, if memory serves, they don't play anybody out there in Florida. I mean, they played Baldwin-Wallace two years ago twice. Remember that? Somebody fell through, so they played Baldwin-Wallace twice. Um, I guess last year they didn't go out there according to their schedule. Um, so that's, that shows at least it doesn't happen all the time, but come to Vegas guys, Brian, call me, Greg, call me. We will talk about it and get you guys to Vegas. I think that is a better way of spending because you will get good games. Now, are we going to see back to back, uh, games against nothing but top 10 teams, uh, top 10 v top 10 in, in two games in the women's side every year. No, this year was the first time, but we're going to get you good competition. And I think that would be better served than playing Finlandia twice, be better served than playing Grace Bible, Aquinas, Cornerstone, you name a school that's not in division three, in my own opinion. That's just how I feel about it. Um, Ryan Scott says we need to get a message board researcher on this, but could the Swarthmore Muhlenberg game be the tallest combined head coaching matchup in the NCAA? Right? Kevin Hopkins and uh, <laughs> I actually love that. No, you're right. They're very tall. That, that's a good call, sir. Uh, I like how you think. Uh, very good one. Very good one. All right. So there's my piece. Uh, quickly about the men's tournament because we've gone, gone much longer than I anticipated. Um, so on Sunday, if you were tuned in, you might remember when Bob, um, uh, Ryan and I were talking and I said, listen, here's what we know about the NCAA tournament on the men's side. It's going to be two opening weekend games um, like we normally have. Then the Sweet 16 is going to be played uh, by itself, essentially, on the second weekend. Then we have the Elite Eight, Final Four in Fort Wayne, along with the All-Star Game, wait two weeks to Atlanta, information we've known for a little bit of time. I mentioned two other things. One, staggered start times possible for the opening weekend. And I said that they might split the Sweet 16. It was something I had heard, wasn't confirmed, but they might split the Sweet 16 into two days so that we can enjoy more of the games, essentially. Well, turns out a day or two later, we finally found the pre 
championship handbook on online and a couple of things that jumped out. One, it's subtle in the pre-champion hand, championship handbook manual, whatever you want to call it. We are splitting the Sweet 16. It's also subtle in there that they are at least alluding to staggered times. Now, I got told it had to have been Monday. So this was the next day. I was told on Monday that an email had gone out basically saying, FYI, the Sweet 16 is going to be two different dates. Then someone said it was in the manual. You really have to look for it to find in the manual. It's basically on the brackets page. You'll notice one side says March 13th. The other side says March 14th. So basically, you're going to get the left side of the bracket, I think, playing on the 13th, the right side playing on the 14th. And, I, and, and that doesn't, who knows what that means for games. With the fact that they can play the Elite Eight in a neutral site place allows the bracket to have a lot of flexibility. You can, you can get really creative. But it, uh, what they're doing there is they're making sure that the four teams on the left side, um, and really the eight teams, but the four teams that get to Fort Wayne all played the same day the week before. And thus, for the quarterfinal game, they all played the same day, and they have the same recovery into the semifinal as well. And then on the other side, it's the same deal. Uh, just a day later. And the idea being that everybody's fair. You don't have two teams that played each other who who knew that there were six days in between, but then the next team had five days or had seven days. Everything's equal, period. Uh, and I love it. So staggered time, I can tell you this. They're still hoping to do that. Um, you may have heard my, my question with Coach Croce with Wittenberg about that. Uh, just because one thing that you do run into, and we ran into this with Yeshiva a year and a half ago, or not last season, but the season before, not everybody was willing to move game times to accommodate Yeshiva in the opening rounds for varying reasons. And, and I don't want to get into all of them. Some of them are legitimate. Some of them, they don't have the staffing. Some of them, the gym's being used earlier in the day for something, which is a little bit of a far-fetched idea, but still, some are breaks, whatever the case may be. If the men's committee gets its way, they'd like to stagger the game times on Friday and Saturday, the opening two rounds. They already staggered the games and split them up Friday and Saturday the next week for the Sweet 16. They may stagger those times as well. And then we got the Elite Eight, Final Four, and a championship game that will have its spotlight on each game all the way through. So the men's tournament is, is going to be exciting. Who's going to be in it is anybody's guess as we're halfway through, but it's going to be flat out exciting. The women's side, not sure. Going to have to talk to the women's committee about what they might do to try and shake some things up. I'm not sure if they're thinking that way right now. I'm not saying they have to. Um, I, I'm also need to chase some other things, but the women's tournament will be normal two, 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 like we normally have. Remember they are going to capital in Columbus, Ohio this year on the women's side. Then they go to Salem next year. Little tidbit for anybody who's a fan of Salem this year, this entire academic year, first time since football, I believe since football arrived and it, unless there was championships before that, I don't think there was. I think football was the first NCAA championship since football arrived. This is the first academic year. Salem has had no NCAA championships, any division, no NCAA championships this year. Very strange year. They've had, they've had volleyball, baseball, softball, women's lacrosse, um, men's and women's basketball. This year, first time, any division, no championships. Really fascinating uh, this year in Salem. Kerry Harvey Cut and the rest of the crew may not know what they're doing. Um, but next year, women's basketball returns, women's lacrosse will be there, and some other sports as well. So, Odd, odd, odd duckling, as it were. By the way, I don't know if I've mentioned this, and if I have, it's repetitive. Championship bidding cycle has started. It, it, the bids aren't coming in anytime soon, but the process of meeting with NCAA liaisons, which is new, meeting with people, getting questions answered for 
inst- uh, locations out there that are interested in bidding. That process has started. Uh, I believe it'll be about a year. We'll now we'll find out who the uh, the winners are for the next probably four years after. Um, I would that would make sense because we're coming up. Well, next year will be year three, and I think it's usually about midway through year three we find out. Though I thought it was midway through year four. I've lost track a little bit of the timing. It's changed every time this has happened. But no, I just want to let you know, process has started. Best as I understand it, I don't think men's basketball is going back to Salem. I don't think Salem's interested, but I've heard some interesting bid ideas out there. I've heard some interesting bid ideas out there from for football. Um, I know on women's basketball, I think they're interested in Salem. I even have soccer information if you're really darn curious. Uh, I could certainly talk about that. Um Um, so yeah, there you go, boat folks. Uh, so yeah, looking forward to the men's tournament because the men's tournament's going to have a lot of staggered times to allow us to see a lot of great games. I think that'll mean the whip around show, at least the, o- the opening weekend will be fun. Should we do it? Um, I think the next weekend it, it could do the whip around show. We could also go and enjoy some games. I don't know. That's one game at sight. I don't think that makes any sense either. So maybe we do a sweet 16 whip around too, before we do the elite eight and final four from Fort Wayne. That's going to do it. Quickly checking some scores. Uh, Gettysburg women are rolling along with the lead on Bryn Mawr, 65-16. And Johns Hopkins men beat Dickinson, though. Dickinson rallied. Hats off to them. It was a 30-point deficit last I checked. They win, They lost by 16. Hopkins wins 78-62 in that one. That's going to do it for us. I want to thank our guests, of course, uh, and the sports information directors who helped us get those guests. Um, Rich Murphy from... Redlands women's basketball, of course, Ryan Tuggle from Greensboro women's basketball in our WBCA center court segment. Sean Coffey at Utica in men's basketball. And of course, Matt Kochi, Croce at Wittenberg men's basketball. And thank the SIDs there as well. Um, Wesley at Greensboro is, uh, was synonymous, really helpful for us. Um, Cooper and Laurel at Utica. I want to thank them. AJ at Wittenberg. Thank him. And Stephanie at Redlands. Thank her for her help as well that's going to do it for us we'll be back on the air sunday uh seven o'clock eastern time hopefully i have a voice i'm actually going to be uh pa announcing the navy men's basketball game on saturday afternoon against colgate looking forward to that opportunity i want to thank luke stilson and mcdaniel for letting me get that opportunity because he's letting me step out of the uh, double header there at mcdaniel um but then i'm going to the ravens game after that so hopefully i have a voice on sunday uh for the game uh, first Ravens game of the season. We usually go more often, but getting a chance to go out to it. It should be fun. Um, and then Sunday, 7 o'clock Eastern time, and then we'll be back on the air next Thursday, 7 o'clock Eastern time as well. Remember, on Sundays we talk Northeast, Atlantic, South, and Central regions, and on Thursdays we talk uh, primarily East, Mid-Atlantic, Great Lakes, and West regions. So there you go. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Really appreciate it. Thanks to all our guests for coming on the show as well. I want to thank our partners at Blue Frame Technology for not only being the sponsors of the Hoopsville Hotline, but also providing us the Team One Sports app that allows us to um, uh, stream the games on either Apple TV, Roku TV, Amazon Fire, or Android TV programs. Really appreciate their assistance in giving us support as well. Um, you can find that on the Team One Sports app. And, of course, they are our main broadcast partners. Of course, we're streaming as well to Facebook and to YouTube. Um, also, thanks to our partners at the WBCA. Nice to get the center court segment back up and running. Also, our partners at the NABC. Thanks to their support. And, of course, D3Hoops.com. Pat, Gordon, Ryan, and the rest of the crew for all their hard work. You've been watching Hoops Hoop, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. 
We will be back on Sunday with more Hoopsville and more Division Three basketball coverage. If you want to talk about Division Three basketball, you've got to listen and you've got to watch Hoopsville. Good night, everybody.